0: hey everyone welcome to episode 61 of the mtg grindcast the spikiest podcast in all of central north carolina and for the first time in a year coming actually just from north carolina i am back in the states he's back folks so, sitting in Collins' apartment, <laughs> hoping the air conditioning isn't making too much noise to record. Yeah. But yeah, I'm here. I, you know, come into an SCG event near you, come say hi, and we'll hang out. It's great. He's back. He's in my apartment, even. And we're, we're here recording under one microphone, so I'm sure that's going to hopefully make things a lot easier. Yeah, a little bit. It's really not a big deal either way. That's but Yeah, so today, you know, we get to sit here for a solid probably three three and a half hours <laughs> no, go it's, over it's a doozy yeah yeah right, welcome back to america chris time to do a, record a set review yeah i got my glass of water i should be okay perfect but yeah guilds of ravnica completely spoiled pre-release is in a week mm-hmm. so we're gonna dive in and just do this whole thing i'm ready card by card and not every single card but i kind of erred on the side of some of these cards are not going to see play but we're going to talk about them for a minute at least before we get into it, I want to thank our new patrons, uh, Bogdan and James. Uh, thank you so much for your support. Uh, anyone else who wants to, you know, be a patron, show some support, you can head over to patreon.com slash mtggrindcast. We have just gotten the proofs of some new tokens. Some pretty pretty dope ones, if, if I do say so myself. Uh, very exciting. So we will be sending those out to all Patreon subscribers, as soon as we get them and they're pretty adorable so go go check out our twitter if you you want to see what these guys look like by inkling customs they're actually they are really cool i'm i'm pretty excited to play with them so for our set review we are going to continue using a letter grading scale the the important thing is what we say about each card but these kind of sum up our thoughts a little bit yeah so for our A's, there's very few of these. These are absolute format-defining cards, you know, maybe one per set. These are the glory Glorybringers and the Teferis of the format. There are going to be some more B's. The B's are more consistent format presences that do help define the format, but may not be completely omnipresent. Things like Vraska's Contempt and Karn, I think, fall into this category. Um, C's are more role players. They're really useful cards, but may be a little bit limited in the types of decks that they end up in. So stuff like Wizards Lightning, Disallow, you know, Powerful, often the the solid removal spells will fall into this category. D are more speculative cards that could be good if the format goes to the right place, but we're not really holding our breath. So cards like Curious Obsession, Muldroth of the Gravetide, things that are, you know, much more narrow. And then the Fs are cards that we're only really talking about because they got overhyped, but they're really not playable at all. So old growth dryads, the go-to example of that one. I've got my eye on a particular archetype this time, and so I'm probably going to be pretty excited about some cards that are maybe some Fs. Okay. But uh, but, but you know, I'm I'm kind of fingers crossed that uh, it's going to work out. Yeah, maybe some some low to the ground aggro deck that's mm, using some. Yeah, maybe a little bit of that. Some kind of underpowered <laughs> threats. Yeah, 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 for sure. A lot of the a lot of those in the first color that we're going to be talking about. Yeah. So I I think the way that I have this set up, I just have the colors. First, so white, blue, black, red, green, and then the guilds one at a time for the multicolored cards. Mm-hmm. Um, that just seemed like the easiest way to set it up. So we are going to start off with white. The first card is Bounty Agent. This is one and a white for a 2-2 human soldier with Vigilance, and it has Tap, Sacrifice, Bounty Agent, Destroy Target, Legendary, Permanent. That's an artifact, creature, or enchantment. Yeah, so this is it's kind of a... A unique card because it's, you know, it's a 2 mana 2-2 with Vigilance, which isn't the worst body, and if you have, like, other synergies with just, like, early creatures, I'm sure that, you know, you're going to be happy to be playing a 2-2 a, a body uh, early on in your curve. But one trend that I've seen out of a lot of the cards in this set is that they've really done a lot to try to make each card relevant in both the early game and the late game. Mm-hmm. So Bounty Agent is another one of those cards that's, you know, it's like fine early. It's a 2-2 two, two for 2. It's not really where you want to be for Constructed. A 2-2 two, two for 2 is, you know, it's not great. But it does have a, a, an interesting ability built in, which is the, you know, Destroy Target Legendary Permanent that's an Artifact Feature enchantment Essentially, they're trying to avoid it destroying planes. Yeah, properties. we don't and, and lands. This is not a, oh, a land true, destruction. True. Yeah, which yeah. is actually pretty relevant with the flip lands. Mm-hmm. But I do like the the, the the whole design philosophy of behind a lot of the cards in the set I'm pretty excited about, which is the um you know, the cards that you can play early that are can be impactful and also have implications in late game. Yeah. And this is definitely one of those cards and I think it does have some interesting applications for, for standard moving forward because the, the number of cards in the standard is reduced a lot, and we've already had a whole set built around legendary cards. Some of those might mm. be turn into pretty stock playables. Uh, moving forward in standard sure so you know i'm not sure if batting on un- agent is going to see play it's pretty contingent on whether or not the second ability of the card is yeah. really worth having no kidding um but it seems like there's potential for it to to be good you know if the format evolves in a particular way yeah um so i, I think that i'd give it a d it's kind of speculative but potentially strong you know if if the things shape up a certain way yeah i I think that's fine like if people are playing a bunch of like four and five mana legendary creatures and stuff this can be a a good way of of being able to attack once or twice early and then trade it in for something more expensive but could easily just be unnecessary depending on how the format plays out right if yeah if the you know if the second ability if there aren't a lot of legendary permanents then this is not going to be playable even a little bit right right and you also, you know, you're not excited to be using this to, like, kill a search for Escanta. and the type of deck that wants a two-mana creature. Right. Like, you want to be killing them with your early creatures. You know, maybe you get in a couple attacks and kill it before it flips or something, but that doesn't seem, like, quite enough to me. So, we'll see. Next card is Citywide Bust. So, this is one and two white for a sorcery. Destroy all creatures with toughness four or greater. So, this is one of those, like, really... Kind of narrow, restrictive Wrath of God effects right, that kind yeah. of usually don't quite get there. Yeah, I mean, you know, we've seen cards similar to this in the past. Um, I'm playing on the name of it, but it's the one that had um, you could cast it from your graveyard to bring back a bunch of cards from your graveyard. Dust to Dawn. Du- yeah, Dust to Dawn was kind of like a similar effect, and this is cheaper. It's three mana, and it destroys all creatures with toughness four or greater, which is different. It's also pretty hard to evaluate, you know, the impact that this is going to have on Standard without really figuring out if there's going to be, like, a big toughness deck. Um, I think that green is definitely going to be something that's still a contender for a Week 1 Standard option, uh, and this could potentially be a good, like, sideboard card against that deck out of a white-based aggressive deck. Yeah. But I, f- I just feel like that white-based aggressive deck is probably going to be utilizing some bigger top end as well, which makes this card a little awkward. So I'm not, you know, I'm not entirely sure where I stand on this card. It's, it's a little, it's a little niche, but it, you know, it could end up being like a a good sideboard option, I think. Yeah. I mean, it, it definitely doesn't feel like the card that you want out of like a white control deck, you know, certainly it would be a sideboard option from most decks that want it. The thing I'm kind of concerned about is this card seems at its best versus like a mono green deck but Vine Mare just dodges this. Uh, right, yeah. <laughs> and, like, you're not winning a game where you're casting a Wrath and they're keeping their 5-3 proof. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and so that's, that's a huge weakness of the card that I think is going to have a good chance of restricting when you can bring it in. I mean, it's speculative. I wouldn't be surprised if this was just real bad and didn't see any play. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that I'm going to stick with a speculative grade on this one. Yeah, D. yeah. All right, next card is Conclave Tribunal. We talked about this one a little bit before. This is our Oblivion Ring, you know, Ixalon's Binding, Cast Out Variant. Uh, three and a white for an enchantment with Convoke. When Conclave Tribunal enters the battlefield, exit target non-land permanent and opponent controls until Conclave Tribunal leaves the battlefield. Um, to me, this just seems like a card that's going to be around in standard. It's going to be a, a premier white removal spell for decks with creatures and yep. can deal with anything your opponent is doing yeah i you know i expect to see a lot of decks that want to utilize this because they're going to be able to support convoke and it's just a really solid you know it it reminds me so much of stoke the flames which was just a really important card in in the standard format that that existed in of course this can't dome your opponent for four damage but it similarly plays a really strong tempo game when you're trying to curve out with creatures and then you can also get rid of their guy that that tempo advantage of you being able to tap your creatures instead of your lands to cast a spell is really, really strong. Definitely. Especially if you're the one on the offensive. So, like, yeah, yeah. you know, you know we, we see this with vehicles, like creatures that come into play and wouldn't have done anything, but they get to tap to crew a vehicle. Like, that's a really powerful way to use resources mm-hmm. that you weren't using before, and, and Convoke on a removal spell like this can be really similar. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, just like the play pattern of playing an aggressive white deck. So you're you're lower on the curve, you already have a couple of guys out, opponent plays their, like, you know, three-mana blocker or whatever, and then you, like, play another guy or two and then tap the summoning sick guys and maybe, like, one of your attackers to get rid of it, get an attack, and also progress your board all the same turn, like, really early on in the game. Yep. That's really strong. Yeah. This is a lot worse with, like, Vigilance guys than something like stoke the flames was you didn't have a ton of vigilance guys you could play with maybe mostly thinking of cube but it doesn't um, have flash or anything like that. right right so you know if they have a blocker and you want to remove it you can't like remove it and then attack with your vigilance guys but i like that's a super minor like nonsense point like this card is just very good like i i would give it a solid b i think i yeah i agree with the b for sure yeah Next up, we've got Divine Visitation. Uh, this one is three and two white for an enchantment. If one or more tokens would be created under your control, that many four four white angel creature tokens with flying and vigilance are created instead. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is definitely a build around me card, right? You're you're just kind of looking to jam as many you know create two one ones for two mana in your deck yeah, as man. possible, probably. Angelic migration after this card. Ooh, <laughs> it's pretty strong. Angel, angel migration, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, that's getting to be strong enough to be uh you know have a deck build around it right if you can have those enough other synergies with the token cards yeah uh, and then have this be like one of your payoff cards i I i would rather think of this less as like a combo piece and more of like a just an additional card to put in the decks that are already wanting to run the the token producers right i agree so, I, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't like build a deck with the idea that you're always going to have your divine uh, visitation. You want your other cards to be able to synergize well independently of themselves as well. Mm-hmm. That's just generally good deck building. We, we're not at the point where we can... It's We're playing standard. We're not playing a bunch of cantrips, right? We can't dig for what we want. We have to consider that when we're building our deck and make sure that our deck synergizes well with itself. Right. Kind of no matter what pieces we draw. That said, this card is very strong as like one of the better token enablers. You can, you know, token decks always re- work really well with anthems, and I think that this is like a kind of weird anthem yeah. card in a way. If you yeah. look at it that way, I mean, unfortunately, it only anthems the guys that come after. Yeah, it, yeah, yeah. Which is it's different. It's, we haven't really different. seen that before. It's it's it's. it's I think it is kind of closer to Anointed Procession, Mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. in how it actually affects the game. Um, But yeah, it is a super anthem for any token that comes afterward. This reads at first like kind of a silly, like almost like EDH kind of card. Mm -hmm. But I think that, you know, if if we get to a format where you can take a turn off, you will catch back up. Whatever they did on their right. turn five is less powerful than upgrading your sapperling migration into making yeah. four, four angels. Like, yeah. you get That's just f- the four, 4 4 angels. This is yeah. crazy. Yeah. If you have anything, you just get the board back. Right. right. So, I think that may be powerful enough to, to get this card into the realm of playability. Depending on whether or not that deck works out, this card I could see being anywhere between unplayable to maybe Solid one speed. of the more strong decks in San yeah yeah it could easily right if the tokens deck runs two of these and it's good in it then this is a solid c but right. for right now we don't know if the tokens deck survives the existence of the continued Godlin. existence <laughs> of goblin chain whirler is still a thing and you know the deck supporting goblin chain whirler definitely took a big hit so that's a consideration mm-hmm. we'll see if that card ends up continuing to be a, a prevalent player in standard yeah if it isn't then there's definitely a lot of potential with with the with the tokens build yep so we got to kind of give this a speculative grade, but yeah. with with some upside, with some like enthusiasm, like I, 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 this <laughs> card has potential. I'm going to so. test it out, you know? Yeah. It's definitely higher up on the list of things that I want to start start playing with. For sure. It also works a little bit weirdly with some stuff like cards that create tokens with haste. Mm-hmm. These angels don't have haste, but cards that create tokens and then give them haste then they do have haste so some cards and i i don't know exactly which cards in standard work which way but some cards like give you hasty angels so uh crazy yes it's kind of hard to pin down a letter grade for that one right now i think that i we should probably just stick with speculative because that's just kind of we're we're speculating right now yeah yeah next up we've got Uh, a couple of cards that are not friends with goblin chain whirler (laughs) well yeah (laughs) uh so here's hazda marshall this is you know may go in a low to the ground underpowered aggro deck one white for a 1-1 human soldier and it's basically got battalion whenever hazda marshall and at least two other creatures attack create a 1-1 soldier creature token with lifelink or a four four angel with vigilance. Or a four four <laughs> angel with vigilance. <laughs> yeah. Just, just, just saying. Every just token saying. card might just be making angels. Right. Yeah. I probably shouldn't make that joke for every one of these token cards, but we'll see. <laughs> we'll see. So one of the archetypes that I'm pretty excited to test out as well is not a tokens theme per se, but more of like a a white weenie deck. Mm-hmm. Um it seems like they've they're giving us access to a lot of potentially strong um one mana. Uh, white creatures and also that archetype feels supported a lot by some of the rares and stuff. Sure. Uh, Like the Boros rares that we're going to be talking about later seem really strong and fit really well with a kind of like a white weenie shell of low to the ground aggressive creatures. And I think that our Boros mana is also really strong. Yep. We could even potentially see a mana base strong enough to support both white and red one minute creatures and that has a lot of implications for mm. for deck building especially if there's some overlap in creature types so that we could use uh unclean territory you know, right if, if there's yeah. like soldiers or, mm. or whatever you know that, that can complicate things when you're trying to cast burn spells as well but um certainly a land that can help the one-drop right. situation. Kind of looking at the set, it seems like that's definitely one of the more pushed archetypes that they they might want to see in Standard, and mm-hmm. it's it's always useful to kind of you know keep an eye out for that. The Convoke uh, Oblivion Ring that we just talked about seems like it's going to go really well in this deck. Mm-hmm. The Mentor Mechanic seems like it's going to be really strong. When I first read the Mentor Mechanic, I kind of made a mental note, and I was like, it's going to be important to look out for a little stranger one-mana creatures that could potentially like get buffed up pretty well yeah and i kind of had that thought and then they printed the next card that we're going to talk about and also a few other like one mana one one creatures that have like text that makes them better when they get bigger sure yeah, and those you know, like those Boros legends kind of demand that you already have creatures in play when you cast them for mm-hmm. them to be good. Yep. Um and so that requires digging a little bit and making sure you have enough one drops and, and, and two drops in your deck. Right. Even if they're not the greatest cards in the world, which I don't think Hasda Marshall is, but it may be providing yep. what your deck needs. Right. It's yeah, it's it's mostly gonna be like a curve filler and like a synergy oriented one drop. Right. And you, you definitely need a certain number of those. Yep. I mean, goes well with the theme of, like, going kind of wide. If we're running uh, Legion's Landing and Benelish mm-hmm. Marshall, this, like, synergizes with right. them, at least. Yeah. So. And there, there are a few—they've put a few, like, planter cards as well in previous sets. Just kind of sitting on my desk here is actually a, a Leonin Vanguard. That's the one-minute, one-one, where at the beginning of combat, if you control three creatures, it becomes a 2-2 and you gain a life. Like, cards like that are really what make this deck really strong. Sure. So the fact that we have cards like that already in like previous sets makes me think that they're trying to get there on making this an archetype for Standard. Yep. But still, this card, not super powerful, will probably only fit into like one deck, and it may not even be the one drop that that deck wants. So. Right. Yeah, yeah. Who knows if this one in particular is worth playing, but I, I think it was worth talking about. Just yeah. kind of the idea. Yeah. And, and honestly, like really similar stuff for the next card, which is Healer's Hawk. And this is very unassuming. One white mana, one one bird with flying and lifelink. Mm -hmm. You know, so great to mentor onto. Great to pump. Other than that, though. (laughs) But uh, if you can just put a single plus one plus one counter on it with mentor. Yeah. This card's really strong. A two, you know, a two two flyer with lifelink. All of a sudden you're winning races. You've only spent one mana to get this guy on the board. Uh, if you can mentor it up twice, all of a sudden you have a 3-3 three, three lifelink Right, a 3-3 three, three flying lifelink creature um, is a monster yeah. creature. So if that mentor, low-to-the-ground white weenie deck is supported enough for, for standard play, I honestly think that Healer's Hawk is going to be a really important piece of that. Well, and if it is good enough to see standard play, the, if the, the that mentor deck is real... Then the mentor deck with Healer's Hawk is just gonna win the mirror. the The deck without Healer's Hawks is never gonna be able to beat the the deck that starts out with one. Right, Healer's Hawk and Leon and Vanguard. There are definitely a lot of like interesting ways to to like gain life incidentally as well, which is like good with racing situations. I'm pretty pretty excited about that. I don't, I don't know if there's gonna be enough life link to warrant. <laughs> playing the cat that gets bigger a johnny's a pride, johnny's pride mate. mate yeah but maybe you maybe know, you know i'm looking at two two one mana creatures that support it right now as well with the vanguard and the healer's hawk so in well, our next our next card is actually another one mana one one creature that can gain use of life hunted witness is a one white mana one one creature human when hunted witness dies create a one one white soldier creature token with mm-hmm. lifelink. so who knows maybe there's just enough yeah. Incidental I, sources I think, of life gain. I think in this set, all of the 1-1 soldier creatures that are created all have lifelink. Yes. yes. Um, so that's, you know, that's, that has big implications for cards like uh, a Johnny's Pride Mate. Yeah. Um, I, I think Hunted Witness is a little more interesting. Like, Hosna Marshall and Healer's Hawk kind of like both are possible cards for that low to the ground aggro deck. Mm-hmm. Hunted Witness potentially could go into a deck like that if you just want to be guaranteed to have a creature in play when you cast your mentor creature yeah yeah yeah. just this is that um especially and this is particularly good for convoke heavy strategy there you will have a creature in play for the the cost of a mana and this card like they're not going to have dealt with it they're not going to have sealed away this hunted witness or something like that most likely it's a way of guaranteeing that you have a body Um, And if that's important, then this card is good. We haven't seen too much in the way of like aristocrats stuff so far. So I don't really foresee it being that like doomed traveler role that we saw in at least one deck. Mm -hmm. But this is the type of card that has had some roles to fill in the past. And if you just need your one mana creature to be in play a couple of turns later, and that's the most important thing, this is the guy that will do that for you. Yeah, for sure. So, but all of these one drops I think get kind of a speculative grade just because which is the right one drop to be running, (laughs) you know, or which combination of all of them, right? It's you know, and how many of them, there's going to be a lot of questions to answer there for sure. Definitely. This next card is maybe like a payoff for running a bunch of these one white mana guys. Uh, this is venerated Loxodon four and a white for a four four with convoke, it's an elephant cleric. When venerated Loxodon enters the battlefield, put a plus one plus one counter on each creature that convoked it. So this can be a pretty low cost, at least mana wise, way to just put a kind of an anthem effect onto like three, four, five creatures that you already had in play and and get a four four body along with three or trouble. So that's that's a pretty interesting play pattern that this guy represents. This guy, to me, feels very strong. I think that there are going to be a lot of really powerful play patterns that involve getting him out on like turn three. Turn three, in a way, it kind of feels bad because you're, like, tapping your creatures instead of attacking with them, which is what you kind of want to do, especially with mentor. You want to get your mentor creatures in. But, you know, turn if you you can give up a turn of attacking for, like, maybe, like, four damage in order to get a 4-4 out that anthems all of the creatures that you've already played already, that, to me, feels very, very strong. Yeah, I mean, Um, if you tap, if you play a one-drop and then a two-drop, and then on your turn three you convoke this guy out... mm -hmm then that's 6-6 six, six worth of stats for 3 mana and skipping an attack. Right. Which, and skipping an attack is a real cost, but that's a lot of stats for 3 mana. And remember, if your deck is also full of a bunch of 1 mana creatures, any 1 mana creature that you cast alongside this guy on turn 3 is free and True. It gets bigger. True. That's That's huge. You know, you don't have to spend three mana to just cast this guy. You know, if your deck is just full of, like, one mana, one ones or whatever, then, you know, you can cast a bunch of those and then just, like, tap five all five of your guys if you've curved out perfectly, which is unlikely, but possible in one of your nut draws. You could have a really, really powerful board presence pretty early on with this guy. Also goes really well with stuff like, you know, we haven't talked about her yet today, but Amara, the the green-white... that creates a a 1-1 lifelink whenever she's tapped if you're convoking with her you know you turn her into a 3-3 get your 1-1 lifelink uh without having to put her into combat and then you get to put her into combat as a 3-3 i I think the more we talk about this card the more i think it's it feels like almost a lock to see some amount of play I, i think just it is a payoff for having small creatures and being willing to convoke and uh i i'm like i i want to build around this card right yeah i think that there there are definitely definitely a couple different like decks that this could be in it's clearly you know meant to be like a selesnia card Mm -hmm. but it could also be in a mono white shell or in a boros shell but but very powerful card yeah i I think this is a C. I mean i i think it's i would be very surprised if this didn't see a a decent amount of play Mm -hmm. in in that kind of deck for sure so that kind of sums up all of our blue cards, or sums up our white cards. Next up, we've got Chemister's Insight. This is three and a blue for an instant. It draw two cards, uh, so essentially four mana divination. But it also has jumpstart. Jumpstart is you can cast this card from your graveyard by discarding a card in addition to pay its other costs. And so, then you exile it. So yeah, and then like, it's exiles. You can't you can't just kind of do that every time. But, you know, that card keyword on a card like chemist's insight is uh seems really powerful to me you know yeah. the card advantage that you get from this card is it's almost like a draw for discard one if you you know if you have plenty of time to spend four mana twice but you know that's a lot of that's a lot of card advantage for a card and yeah. it's an instant so this seems like one of the glimmer of genius is rotating out right yep hieroglyph um, illumination is also rotating so this this is probably our kind of replacement for the the blue like controly archetypes it, you know they're they're going to need card advantage um and they can use this uh as their like you know glimmer equivalent yeah and you can put this into your graveyard with search for Canta and get value that way or oh, yeah. or wins great you know if you have a couple different jumpstart cards and a couple of surveil cards like the way that you can i think you can work your deck so you kind of never run out of gas and this is an important part of that puzzle yeah so definitely a, a To me, a solid C. Like, it's just... It's the only inspiration we have, and we made the two inspirations that we had before. We saw a solid amount of play in those control decks. We're going to replace them with this, and it's also quite good, I think. And Jumpstart is another mechanic that is kind of showing how they're trying to print cards that are... It, it seems like they're trying to print a lot of cards that are that translate well into the late game. Yeah. You know, jumpstart a mechanic that gives you more advantage, you know, the later you go because, you know, it's just a general card advantage. Although kind of inspiration interesting... is not particularly good in the actual early game. So this well, is Well right. This isn't good in both, but it it does seem like they're kind of moving more towards like um uh, yeah that that the, the amount of options that, that this kind of card gives you is is really high you get a lot of ability to to make decisions about your own fate so right, right. it's pretty cool the next one is an interesting one it's devious cover up so this is two and two blue for an instant counter target spell if that spell is countered this way exile it instead of putting it into its owner's graveyard you may shuffle up to four target cards from your graveyard into your library so I don't think that this is actually good enough, but the reason that I put it on our list of cards to take a look at is I do want to mention that I really hope that this card is not good enough, <laughs> because if people are playing it, that's that feels like... A big problem. Like I mean, we already have no win condition to ferry control, <laughs> like add this into the equation, and right. we're really doubling down. Yeah, all those Teferis that died, you know, you know, mid game or whatever, <laughs> get them back in your deck. You're <laughs> gonna need those later to not deck. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely some interesting, you know, things going on here. Probably gonna be seen. You know, if it's gonna see be see play, I think that you're right, in that it's gonna see play in a a, a win a win condition less. Hard, con- control hard control deck. deck yeah but yeah I, i'm with you i'm not really a fan of that that style of of magic so hopefully not oh uh, yeah i hope not i mean i think that this is i mean fingers crossed for this being an f is, is <laughs> <really>. <laughs> yeah i'm with you there next up is a is kind of an old favorite disdainful stroke is is back so this is one in a blue for counter target spell with converted mana cost four or greater So we've we've seen this card before. It's kind of always been strong. Whenever this card's in standard, it sees some sort of marginal play in sideboards. You know, maybe some control decks will play a couple copies in the main, but typically it's it's blue decks are trying to answer specific cards Mm -hmm. specific siege rhinos specific siege rhinos specific we've gone through a couple things in the past but you know it'll be interesting to see what the big targets are in the in the new format but this this is just always going to be a very solid card i think no matter what one of the goals for the format that that i would have if i were designing it is i would like for there to be a couple different specific archetypes. And I would like for there to be aggressive decks that like this card is not actually good against. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that there's like a cost to playing it. I know that during like cons standard, you know, there were just so many Sea rhinos running around. It was very difficult to run like a true low to the ground aggro deck. You were just asking for it. Um, and that, that made disdainful stroke just a, an extremely powerful spell because it was great against all of the mid range decks that people were running in that format. Um, hopefully we have a little bit larger breadth of deck types so so that it's a cost to play a card like this because your opponent might go like one drop one drop one drop like convoke spell something like that and 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 this is not so great in that situation it's likely that it will be able to hit the convoke spell that's true that's that's actually true that's a really good point Um, so So like hitting that 4-4 that anthems your team is is big game i'm sure and probably also hitting like uh, maybe maybe there are scenarios where the blue deck has some sort of permanent that it wants to protect from the the oblivion ring that's uh as well potentially but so so it's likely that it will at least have targets against most decks so yeah Yeah. this could easily be like a main deck two of depending on how the format shakes out but this is a solid c like Mm -hmm. good role-playing counterspell but it, yeah early on especially for week one it's going to be pretty people are going to be pretty hard-pressed to put this right. card in their main deck i right. think it, if anything it's only going to be sideboard cards yeah and then once you know what cards people are playing you can yeah. make more aggressive calls with it but yeah. yeah for sure I'm, I'm much more interested in playing Llanowar elves week one than playing just Strokes. so right right or lean and vanguard or lean and vanguard yeah <laughs> <laughs> I might be a little a little too excited about it, <laughs> but i I am excited about it, so that's fair. next up in blue, we've got Dream Eater. So this is um a mythic. It's six mana, four and two blue for a flash flying four three. When Dream Eater enters the battlefield, Surveil 4. So that's the new, like, Scry, but instead of the bottom of your library, it goes into your graveyard. Surveil 4 is really big. It's like, a if, huge if effect. If Scry 4 is a text on a card, that's, you know, that's something that would be worth paying attention to. Yep. And somehow it always comes with sphinxes. That's strange. <laughs> um, and this is a Nightmare Sphinx, so uh, on theme there. And then the other part of this card is, uh, when you do Surveil for, you may return target non-land permanent an opponent controls to its owner's hand. A lot of stuff happens when you when you flash this guy in. It's 6 mana. 6 mana for 4-3 flyer. So that's, like, not really where you want to be. But it does it does bounce a non-land permanent that your opponent controls. And you get to Surveil for. So that's a lot of added benefit as well. In this, this card seems, you know, if there's, like, a blue tempo deck, I could see this card seeing play in, in Constructed. But it, I'm kind of... Or just like maybe like a blue mid-range deck as well is also going to be interested in this effect. But in terms of like, you know, this card doesn't really fit in a control deck. Maybe they want it as a win con, but I think that Honestly, the blue decks right now are pretty happy without any win cons other than Teferi. Sure. If if there's a blue mid-range deck, could I could definitely see them being interested in this. If there's a blue, you know, tempo deck, maybe, but the six mana is a lot for a tempo deck. Yeah. Um, I mean, maybe I'm a little bit biased because we had torrential gear hulk for so long and like that's the six mana flash threat that right. is just yeah. And this is this is not Torrential Gear Hulk. That three toughness is really what makes me not love this card, because yeah. like torrential gear hulk. Once my opponent had six untapped mana, it was so difficult for me to attack uh, with anything. And having three toughness, this card actually doesn't block that much. So you don't you get, get that. just get to swing through it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And and even though it, it like bounces one of the things, like that's a lot worse than Vraska's contempting one of the things. And the Surveil four is powerful. Like the, the place where I could see this most would be, yeah, in some sort of mid-range deck, especially one that maybe is playing a bunch of like reanimation stuff. So you can kind of chain Dream Eaters. You know, if you bounce a thing okay. and then bounce a thing and then bounce a thing or something <laughs> right. like that's very powerful, but you know that's that doesn't seem super likely. And at the end of the day, this thing still costs six mana, right? So yeah, pretty speculative for me. The next one I would have been much more excited about had they printed <laughs> Maze's End, but so this one's Guild Summit. Uh, it's two and a blue for an enchantment. When Guild Summit enters the battlefield, you can tap any number of untapped gates you control. Draw a card for each gate tapped this way. Also, whenever a gate enters the battlefield under your control, draw a card. I'm not into it. Maybe we can use scape Shift to like draw seven cards. Jeez. Uh, we have to have seven <laughs> gates in our deck. <laughs> but what yeah. are we doing with our life? If we're not just winning the game with our scape shifts, I'm, I'm not as in. Right. Um, yeah. And then you draw your escape shifts after you've already put your <laughs> gates I'm into play. G- <laughs> draw more escape shifts. <laughs> oh God, what have we done? Ugh. So right, you know, definitely an interesting card, and I maybe somebody will try out some gate synergies. But I'm for constructed, I it's a speculative at best, and i I honestly don't expect this to see a lot of play. I think we can just take our medicine and give this an F. Yeah. I, mean, I am looking forward to drafting the ten gate deck with this. that's that's definitely a thing. in, in that terms I'm of do. draft archetypes, <laughs> I'm in. I'm, uh, give me I'm all down. those gates. I'm right down. let's is, let's turtle. This is the kind of build around that I want. right. In terms of like draft archetypes, I'm pretty excited about that card, but yeah, standard standard applications, um, they bricked on giving us mazes in. so yeah, maybe next set. Maybe next time. All right. Next up, we've got Mission Briefing. So this is a blue, blue instant. It says, surveil two, then choose an instant or sorcery card in your graveyard. You may cast that card this turn. If that card would be put into your graveyard this turn, exile it instead. So it's Snapcaster Mage, but instead of a 2-1 body, you get to surveil two. It's a lot worse than um, a 2-1 body. <laughs> yeah. Somebody tweeted recently... I think it might have been Sam Black. He said, if you want to see the difference in power level between having a 2-1 body on your card and not having a 2-1 body on your card, just compare Recollect with Eternal Witness. Right. Perennial, modern playable, standard, absolute all-star. Right, yeah. Versus Never Sees Play. Yeah. Never Sees Play is underrated and limited. But um, <laughs> that's that's a different conversation. <laughs> but that's a different conversation, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mission Briefing, I, I think, is a cool card. But again, I don't really expect it to see a lot of play. Right. I think that this pro- was probably an attempt at testing the boundaries a little bit, seeing how much they could push this type of effect. But I don't really think that they got there. And I don't really expect this to see a ton of play. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, think about it. I mean, number one, think about it in Standard, where pretty much all of the Nothing costs less than two, no instant or sorceries, and most of the good ones are going to cost three or four mana. Mm-hmm. And so we're talking about, like, paying two mana and then paying playing a four mana draw spell or something like that. And that's right. just, that's awful. And our four mana draw spell already has... It already flashes back. Yeah, so. it already flashes back, so it's, <laughs> you know, it's fine. Yeah, and also that double blue in the cost for this thing is really real. Yep. Like, yeah. Snapcaster Cantrip is, like, pretty mm-hmm. easy to do. And now I'm thinking about, you know, like, Modern Implications or something. Sure. Trying to cast, like, Opter Serum Visions with this Mission Briefing, like, having triple blue on, like, turn three is not easy. That That's a real challenge. I really just don't quite get, I don't know, like, like some people ha- have been a little bit excited for this card. I don't see it. I don't, I'm not interested in trying to make this card work, and I just don't think it pays you. I think you're just kind of paying two mana, a two mana premium to to recast a spell and like we already have that we have blue blue return target instant or sorcery from your graveyard to your hand and that card is yeah really and cool. that certainly never saw any play not, not good so, and right. I, don't th- I i think this is almost a downgrade because you have to do it that turn <laughs> right like sure. surveilling is nice but that that mana is really hard mm-hmm. to do yeah i i believe that this is going to be enough it's but it is you know we're saying that it's, it, it could be one of those cards that i'm just completely wrong about yeah right now i'm gonna say that that's not going any play i'm on board with f yeah. Next up we've got Narkameba. So this is an old familiar yeah. card. One in a blue for a 1-1 flyer. Narkameba says, when Narkameba is put into your graveyard from your library, you may put it onto the battlefield. Rarity shifted to rare for some reason. <laughs> it's a rare now. That I think that there could be a couple of reasons for doing that. This isn't really a card that you want to see show up a lot in Limited. So. i do i want to <laughs> be able to surveil into this That well, sounds great. well sure yeah i right the so the the ways i think that they think that this is gonna work with is you know it's good with surveil if you can hit it there mm-hmm. so if you have like a lot of surveil cards then you know potentially you might want some free one ones but you know, got like stitcher supplier right there you know there are a few mill cards and everything i'm just not super excited about it yeah. I, I just don't think that that like mill archetype particularly in blue is going to be strong quite yet mm-hmm. maybe they print a couple more sets and then that like style of play is much more supported right. but right now i don't really expect to see many nakami but decks popping up in standard right it, it it did a little bit when dredge was also in standard yeah <laughs> at the same yeah. time right we're not getting dredge so the amount of self-mill that you have to do to really make this card work in Constructed is just not something they're ever going to allow us to have again. Pick up your your reprints with pretty art and play it in Dredge and be happy, I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Next up, we have Quasi-Duplicate. So this is 1 and 2 blue for a sorcery. Create a token that's a copy of target creature you control. And it also has Jumpstarts. So you can cast it from your it has flashback essentially. This is this is a pretty tough card to evaluate. Typically clone cards are worse when it's copying only a creature you control. Right. Clone cards really benefit the most from being able to copy the biggest thing on the battlefield. And that's just never a guarantee if you're you know, if you can't target anything on the battlefield. Yep. But you do get two copies of your best creature. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there there's potentially Uh, potential for this to 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 see play but to me i think this looks more like limited bomb not quite constructed playable kind of the only place that i could see it going is like in a drake deck you know you want to maximize the instants and sorceries in your deck um but you want to also play enough threats and so like we've got enigma drake and crackling drake and maybe we want this on top of that Mm -hmm. but like you have so few and and like there's no guarantee that you have a creature in play when you get this, and also you can't ever cast this into open mana. Yeah. Uh, or you just could lose the game on the spot. <laughs> yeah. So I I can't really see this seeing play, but it is a very cool card. Yeah. I agree. I, I really like the, the the idea behind it. Next up we have a, a pretty exciting card actually, just because it's kind of like new design space, so it's it's not really something that I've I've seen before. It's Radical Idea. It's one in a blue for an instant. It says draw a card. It also has a jump start. so essentially you get to pay two mana to draw to, to cantrip, and then later on you can pitch you know some excess land or something to cantrip again. If this was one mana, it would be busted. Yeah, but at two mana, you know, it kind of it kind of is forced into being two mana for this effect because it can't be like because one point two it, or it whatever it can't be one. Would be. You know, the only yeah. options are one or two really, and you know, one mana on this card would be insane. Um, I mean, it would just be a very good Tormenting Voice if it were one mana, right? Like, I mean, it, yeah. would, be, it would be quite good because you could fit it into your curve wherever. I, I mean, I, I think it would be too good at, at, at one mana, mm-hmm. but I'm I mean, not sure that... It, people are playing Peak right now in Modern, so. <laughs> <laughs> You know. But this doesn't show you your opponent's hand. Uh, fair, fair, fair. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I like... I like the idea behind this card. I think it's kind of like new design space a little bit. And mm-hmm. it, it could turn out that this card is just better than we expected it to be. Yeah, um, But, you know, I think that I'll have to... I'll, it's This isn't really a card that I'm excited to try out. So if other people do decide to try it out and, and it ends up working out really well... That'll be awesome, and I wouldn't really be surprised to see that be the case. It's just like, yeah, blue decks want to play a bunch of these, and it's just like a good cantrip. But sure. two mana's a lot. Yeah, I mean, it just feels like the total... Like, you're, we're paying like one and a half mana too many on the, the full package. Right. Like, I'm never playing this over Charter Course in Standard. That, like, Charter Course just like does the whole thing for the two mana. Right. And <laughs> yeah, sometimes yeah, yeah. you don't even have to discard the card. Right. So, just seems better than this by a lot. Mm. And I'm really not like there was no way to cost this card that that would make it reasonable and that's that's kind of the hole that they they were in with it yeah like at one mana absolutely like we'd be slamming it and it would be a very interesting exciting and po- probably overpowered thing you yeah. um, so i would be surprised if if anybody played this mm-hmm. but you know to be honest i like that they tried it yeah in terms of a lot of things that Wizards is doing, both in card design and, and coverage uh, ideas and a bunch of stuff, I think that lately they've kind of been willing to try things, and I'm, I'm just never going to be against that. Oh, yeah. Uh, this next card I am excited about. Sinister Sabotage is one blue-blue for counter-target spell and surveil one. So this is kind of the new disallow of the standard format, I guess. But instead of scrying one, we get to surveil one, which is arguably better. Yep. Um and I mean we've had right right we've had one and two blue cancel scry one before and yep. that's probably the best cancel variant we've ever had. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um and this one is just better than that. I'm I'm very excited about Sinister sabotage. Well, I you know, I'm not really a control player. I probably will never play this card in standard. <laughs> you know, maybe maybe it's I'm I've been trying out, you know, new new stuff and everything. So so maybe, but this will see play in yeah, guaranteed. Um, in control archetypes and standard it's yeah. it's you know i think that control archetypes and standard can safely start with three to four of these yep pretty not pretty not close yeah and, and maybe you know there's a one and a blue and a red cancel that that deals two to to your opponent that may just be easier to cast in some decks and that that easier to cast may put it over this in very specific builds of like blue red but overall like in blue white decks in, in blue black decks like this is just gonna be where you're where you're at um, and so I don't know if that makes it a C or, or even all the way up to a B because there are different control decks that are going to be running this. But regardless, we're going to see it in a lot of places. It's great with Search for Ascanta, It's great at put a Jumpstart card in your graveyard. Probably not put a Narcomiba in your graveyard. That seems unlikely to be a thing. <laughs> yeah, I, my, um, my Disallow Narcomiba deck is yes. very strong. Yeah, they weren't we're ready. were not ready cooking with gas here. <laughs> yeah. Um, well cool but yeah guaranteed to see plenty of play but yeah that's uh that's that sums it up for our for our blue cards those are our blue cards so next up we got the black cards start now with uh, there's sort of a a meta cycle of cards in this set that just have like a bunch of text <laughs> <laughs> yeah that sometimes seems this is a little certainly bit, one of them this, yeah. this is one of them sometimes seems a little bit unrelated line to line but kind of works together as a very complicated package So this one is Blood Operative. This is 1 and 2 black for a 3-1 vampire assassin with lifelink. When Blood Operative enters the battlefield, you may exile target card from a graveyard, and whenever you surveil, if Blood Operative is in your graveyard, you may pay 3 life. If you do, return Blood Operative to your hand. So I'm kind of envisioning the blood operative mirror. <laughs> I was going to say yeah. <laughs> where you're trying to catch their blood operative in their graveyard while they don't have mana up to cast an instant that lets them surveil and you're always holding up mana so you can surveil at instant speed so they can't catch your blood operatives. Magic at its finest. Yeah, I mean I'll play that mirror <laughs> absolutely. But yeah, so this is like it's a 3-1 life link that can do some graveyard hate but also specifically like like more importantly if you have access to a bunch of ways to surveil you can get this back from your graveyard and because it has lifelink i think that that can be really powerful against creature decks like trading if they have the types of creatures that can trade off with a 3-1 then this may be a good way of like buying yourself a lot of time to get card advantage or get card selection with surveil and get your engine going um this recursive threat slash blocker whatever it is I, I think may just be quite good yeah i mean i could see it in a couple of different archetypes in in standard it could either be it's kind of creating its own new archetype of like a surveil oriented you know a lot of things that combo with surveil and stuff like that like and some sort of like mid-range deck, right? Mm-hmm. And that just like is interested in some sort of recursive 3-1 value creature yep. that you can trade off your opponent's creatures. I could also see it being an interesting sideboard option out of some black decks who are interested in a good blocker to trade off with the opponent's aggressive creatures. Mm-hmm. You know, definitely not bad against, you know, just like medium beats. Right. Or just like with like three toughness creatures. You can block, You it has lifelink, life link, you'll gain three life. You know, maybe you can decide to spend that three life that you've gained to get it back and play it again and trade it into another one of the creatures. Mm-hmm. So definitely, definitely some interesting applications there. I think it's more likely that it's going to end up being some sideboard card. Yeah, I, you know, in niche matchups. But definitely something to keep an eye out for. That typically cards like this don't really see a lot of play until the format develops a little bit and people recognize kind of like those niche spots where this could be good. Sure. And I think it it'll probably be a little bit before that like surveil archetype comes out mm-hmm. if if it is a thing. There's a own. lot of cards with Surveil. Mm-hmm. Like, you can easily build a deck with just a bunch of cards that you want, and it turns out that, like, 12 of your cards have Surveil in their right. text box. Yeah. And I think that that would likely be the case if this ends up being a sideboard card, is that, like, that deck is just, like, blue-black control or something with a bunch of Surveil. Sure. And then it has access to this in the sideboard for... I mean, for control mirrors, like, if they don't have exile removal and you just, like, keep making this... Um... Yeah. That, honestly, that seems great. Yeah. To me, this kind of reminds me of, not mechanically, but the way that Thragtusk is used as a sideboard card in modern because yeah. it's just so versatile. It has right. so many different parts. Like, sometimes you bring it in because you want to grind. Sometimes you bring it in because you want to gain the five, five life. life. Right, right. Um, and and it just, like, does different things quite well. And this feels like it's just got so many different possible applications that I'd be really surprised if it didn't see a decent amount of play out of decks that can abuse its, its recursion ability. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting to see how well it... I think that this deck, this card's playability is really going to be defined by... How well it lines up against the format. Right. If the three-one body just isn't relevant ever, it's not gonna see play. If chain whirler is too big of a thing, it's definitely not gonna see play in any main decks. Sure. Kind of hard to figure out where what, what slot it's gonna have, but I you know, I'm excited about the card. I, I like the design too. Yeah. It also occupies that like three mana space where like being on the draw against a red deck, a lot of times like they'll get down their chain whirler and then you get to play this once the coast is clear. But then they have a 3-3 three, three first strike that this guy doesn't match up particularly well against. So, But yeah, I mean, I, I think that th- there's enough of the Buffalo here that this card's going to see play. Yeah. You know, probably a, a C. Like, it's a solid role player, it feels like to me. Right. Agreed. Next up, we have maybe the weirdest card in the set. I mean, I guess there's precedent for this already with Narcomiba being reprinted. Right, yeah. Uh, But this is Creeping Chill. Three and a black for a sorcery. Creeping Chill deals three damage to each opponent and you gain three life. Not important. Important part. When Creeping Chill is put into your graveyard from your library, you may exile it. If you do, Creeping Chill deals three damage to each opponent and you gain three life. Probably not a thing for standard, but in internal formats... If you have a way of, like, milling your library, your opponent starts at 8. And who knows if there's some way to make that work? I, I don't know. Or or it's a sideboard card against burn decks in a deck that mills itself, because that gaining 3 is a pretty real thing. I mean, this is just a mana-free effect that you get for milling yourself, right? and that could be powerful in the right situations. Yeah, and additionally, you know, just kind of fundamentally, this card is... It does a very unique thing in a uh, under a mechanic that we know has potential to be powerful, which mm-hmm. is the the Narcomoeba style thing. Yeah, um, I think that the decks that end up playing this card are going to look very, very different than you know anything that we've seen before. Yeah, I think that it it might even be some sort of like, oops, all spells dump my library into my graveyard. Sure, you take a bunch of damage or something similar like that, but. It's it's a unique card that has potential combo implications, and whenever there's a card like that, it's definitely worth taking note of it. Who knows if if we have all the tools we need right now for this effect to be good in eternal formats yet. But, you know, I wouldn't be surprised at all if in, like, four years or something somebody comes up with some new crazy deck and they're like, hey, remember Creeping Chill? We, yeah. we broke now it. Now we're killing it. Yeah, it. yeah. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I think we're talking about it for that reason. Yeah, and I there's, there's one card that I don't think I put on this list that could actually, you know, maybe some deck in the future is using both of these, but there's... Uh, and I'm not remembering what it's called, but it's some big black creature for, like, six and a black, and when it comes into play, your opponent loses life equal to the number of creature cards in your graveyard. So, you know, there may be some deck that, like, uses these, you know, and, you know, Dread Return is not legal in Modern, but Mm -hmm. if there's some legacy deck that it turns out that this is what we want to be aiming Dread Return at, is we want to mill these Creeping Chills, and then we want to... Dread Return targeting this guy to make you lose the last couple of points of life. That's not impossible to be a thing. Right. Uh, These sorts of decks usually don't have trouble winning games where they manage to resolve Dread Return. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but honestly, that that one card feels like it's definitely one of the better Dread Return targets. Yeah. I mean, people have been playing around with a bunch of different options uh, for Dread Return. You know, all the way from Grizzlebrand to Flamekin Zealot to you know anything and if you just like have 30 creatures in your deck it sounds like that card just does right your just opponent. deals lethal. Right? so so definitely definitely worth considering there yeah but for now creeping chill and that guy whose name i can't remember uh <laughs> are both pretty speculative but i'd be totally unsurprised if we just see somebody yeah. whip out a deck that yeah abuses new them. unique cards that that do something that we haven't really seen before yep uh those are always worth taking a look at yep Next, we got a much simpler one, Deadweight. <laughs> yes. Black mana for an aura. Enchanted creature gets minus two, minus two. Yep. Yeah, we've seen this card before. I think it's really strong. Um, it kills small creatures. It also has implications to shrink medium creatures mm-hmm. and make them less effective. Overall, just like really, really flexible, powerful card that yep. I'm, I'm I'm, generally always a fan of. Usually plays a sideboard role. You know, you bring it in when you need one or two more answers to very early threats. Uh, in particular... Right now, we've got a new experiment one in green, and having an oh, answer yeah. <laughs> very early to that card is going to be super important, yeah. and this is one of the ways that you can up the number of answers post-board. So I think that you know this will be a fine role-player for matchups that require that sort of thing. Right, and we no longer have Fatal Push, right? True, So, True. you know, this Black is going to need some sort of interaction with smaller creatures again. Yeah, and this um, is really the only one-mana, you know, like, versatile black interaction like that yeah. so maybe this just sees a decent amount of main deck play because we need it and it kills land or elves yeah you know? very important so yeah maybe maybe as close maybe close to a c just because we don't have fatal push anymore and we need something in that yeah. slot i wouldn't be surprised and also depending on like the prevalence of these new you know white weenie aggressive yeah. decks this is just what you need right it's not exciting we're not getting delirium we're not getting devotion or anything like that right, it's, just yeah. a, it's just a removal spell but it, it yeah. might just be what you need Next up, we've got Doom Whisperer. Mm-hmm. Just creeps up to your ear and says Doom really, really <laughs> quietly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, Good fluff there. This is <laughs> 3 and 2 black for a 6-6 six, six Flying Trample that you might be expecting a drawback, but instead you just get an activated ability of Pay 2 Life, Surveil 2. Yeah, I mean, um, you know, 5 mana Flying Trample, Duder with upside of Pay 2 Life to get some sort of minor advantage. Seems strong. I mean, not even necessarily minor advantage. Like, if you just want to pay some life to put, like, ten cards into your graveyard in a deck that cares about that, that might be very powerful. You know what? That's also... That's that's a really good point. This... Now that you mentioned that, this might be one of the better mill enablers for decks that are trying to run... Uh, you know, a bunch of the cards like Narcomiba and, and that Drain 3 that we saw earlier. Possibly. You know? Like, this is... That's not a thing you can do in every matchup. But yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, the Drain 3 just, like, lets you activate this guy again. <laughs> right, <it. laughs> yeah. Um, so, I, I don't know. This card is really interesting to me. And somebody had posted on Twitter, like, the fact that they print a 5-mana 6-6 six, six Flying Trample with no drawback is sort of an acknowledgement that being a 5-mana creature that doesn't do something when it comes into play is inherently a drawback in Constructed. Yeah. It's not killing a guy. It's not getting you any card advantage. You do get the ability, even if they remove it immediately, you get to activate its ability as many times as you would like to. So it has some effect, but not a super profound one. But if they don't have the removal spell, this thing's gigantic. It's very large, yeah. And it's got, you know, our favorite keyword, flample. Flample. <laughs> <laughs> right. So it can't be chump-blocked can't be by any number of Narc Right, right. So, yeah, definitely, you know, interesting. And the fact that you can just, like, as many times as you want, pay two life to put cards into your graveyard from your library. Yeah. That... There are cards that they're printing that, you know, benefit you for doing some degenerate thing like that. So. Right. We don't have any aftermath anymore, but we do have, like, three of the guilds have graveyard-based keywords so right could be could be something here that said like five mana creatures are tough cells something you know this doesn't stabilize your board against an aggressive start the same way that something like a lyra Dawnbringer does yeah, yeah, yeah um this is i mean it blocks pretty well but that may not be enough and uh like playing a five mana creature is difficult to do and that honestly like makes me not really able to give this more than a speculative grade yeah yeah, I mean, definitely agree with you there. It's uh, I'm I'm not I'm not like excited about this card, but it, it does have some impl- impl- interesting implications. Yeah, for sure. And I'm certainly going to lose to it. Like like even with decks that are set up that uh, this kind of creature is not that powerful against them. Even if I'm playing like a control deck, sometimes I'm going to have an opponent who just slams it on turn five. I'm not going to have a good answer to it, and it's just going to like twelve me. Right. So next up, we've got gruesome menagerie. This is. Three and two black for a sorcery. Choose a creature card with converted mana cost one in your graveyard. Then do the same for creature cards with converted mana costs two and three. Return those cards to the battlefield. So, Cone of Raised Dead. <laughs> Cone of Raised Dead. I love it. Yeah. This is a card that I'm not going to be looking to build around it. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to be like, alright, this card is I want to make good. And and like actively looking for one mana and two mana and three mana cards to fill my deck out with but if there is an archetype that has that's pretty like probably it's probably going to be mill oriented um it's probably going to have stitcher's supplier as the one yeah absolutely and and some other like powerful two and three mana creatures that are actively really strong and synergistic with the deck already Mm -hmm. i could see this being like a two of as a as an interesting top end for for that deck but it's it's probably only going to see play if it just kind of like just so it happens that you have enough one and two and three mana cards in your in your deck to to make this, you know, powerful enough. Right. And and tend to get them into your graveyard quickly enough that this is a reliable way to make a board. Right. Right. But yeah, I mean the the What you get is pretty decent. The setup cost is a lot higher. You know, like compare this to like collected company that just, you know, (laughs) right? Like probably gets you six. This probably gets you six mana worth of guys. Collected company probably gets you six mana worth of guys, but you don't have to do anything to set up collected company. You got to do a lot more work with this thing, but could be powerful in the right situation. So, uh, um, solid speculative card. I would love to play a deck that plays this card. If it all comes together, I'm super into it, for yeah. sure. It's kind of hard just looking at the cards to, to know whether or not that's true. Yeah. This is another tough one. This is Mausoleum Secrets. A lot of debate about this card. <laughs> one in a black, for an instant. It's got Undergrowth, which is the Golgari ability uh, that counts the number of creature cards in your graveyard. So, Undergrowth, search your library for a black card with converted mana cost less than or equal to the number of creature cards in your graveyard. Reveal it, put it into your hand, then shuffle your library what a strange tutor effect right. uh, it's instant speed which we never get on these sorts of tutors right um and it relies on you being a deck that is putting creature cards into your graveyard yeah i mean kind of going back to the the curiosity that i have about you know what this black graveyard matters deck looks like mm-hmm. there there may it may be true that there are some like pretty important black creatures that really facilitate making that deck good yeah um either either pay off black creatures that are you know like as big as the number of creatures in your graveyard or something like that or enabler black creatures that you kind of want in order to you know do something powerful Mm -hmm. there there are certainly pieces that could come together to make me want this type of effect but it's gonna be a pretty big ask Mm -hmm. um that creature needs to be really, really important for the strategy to work, and I just don't know if that, you know, what that looks like exactly. Yeah, I mean, who knows if if we're running some sort of like Golgari deck that is running like Cone of Cone of Ray's Dead and Stitches Suppliers <laughs> and is really dead. is really like milling itself and trying to do things that way and is running like sort of a toolbox. Um, I think one thing that is kind of interesting. And is going to be more interesting as we get into the next Ravnica sets, is that this card becomes more powerful the more multicolored cards we have in the format. If we have a Putrefy, then this yeah. card can get a, an artifact destruction spell. If uh, if we have like you know we have a blue black card drawing card, so you know if we want to get read the bones with this, we can. So the more guilds we have available, the more versatile this is because there are black cards that do weird different stuff yeah and it's it's also true that we might just have some sort of like toolbox or something to get with this like you know we have our removal spell and then we also have our big creature and then we also have our draw a card that's and they can all be black that we can find with this guy yeah so you know that could be another reason for 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 wanting to play this where you can just kind of like find the applicable card late in the game yeah yeah i i don't know like this could definitely work i'm much more excited about this in standard than i am in eternal formats even though yeah. tutors cheap tutors like sort of scream like hey try me out in modern and yeah, legacy yeah, yeah. the setup for this just seems very difficult mm-hmm. like the best you can do is like cycle a street wraith and then, <laughs> right yeah uh, and then that's and then find a thought or something uh, yeah a, i don't know <laughs> a death's shadow like right. it does not yeah. it's not where i want to be well you know finding death shadow with this (laughs) yeah but (laughs) no okay now now i'm thinking no no no. yeah probably still too narrow yeah so you know like it's a d in standard like it's it's pretty speculative but i mean i can see a world where this is this is working yeah next we got midnight reaper this is two and a black for a three two zombie knight whenever a non-token creature you control dies midnight reaper deals one damage to you and you draw a card so this is kind of like Grim Harris specs. Yeah, the old morph creature that we used to have. Yeah. That had this text. And that card was good. Cards like this are always best with like sack outlets where you like have the ability to to kill a bunch of your own creatures or something in order to refill your hand. Token style cards right. as well are really strong with this. Yeah, and we really don't have any Nantuka husk. Kind of things, do we? Right. I'm thinking, you know, we have the one that gains two life if you sacrifice Sapperling, but it still costs some mana to activate, right? So, and that's really not what you're looking for out of a sack outlet. I come to think of it, I I don't know if we have any cards that are just free sac outlet right now. In standard. I, I can't think of any. Yeah, nothing that lets you sacrifice non-token creatures. Really, it's it's yeah. I I don't think we have a way to like abuse this seems to be existing more as like a, just value. Like a value card for yeah. maybe like a zombie's deck or something like that yeah i mean it's got two good creature types right um the bo- both zombie, zombie and, knight. and knight are very relevant yeah um, although history of Benalia plus this card you don't get to draw off of your history knights dying but mm-hmm. you know it's a three two it actually rumbles a little bit and if it's getting pumped or something then it's that much better and if it's just like standing guard and making sure that a wrath doesn't like completely blow you out then that might be good too yeah so th- this seems like a fine card. Yeah. But, you know, we'll see. It's probably going to be just like a, a minor role player in the in, in few niche archetypes. Right. Uh, I think at best. Probably. Although it does probably get better the bigger the format is. Yeah, yeah. Because there are yeah. more ways to abuse that ability. Absolutely. Right. We yeah. just don't have them yet. So just, you know, keep an eye out moving forward for free sack outlets, I guess, is yeah. the um, the idea. Right. Because that's that's really... What made Grim Hair Specs good is that you were able to just draw the cards that you wanted to. <laughs> yeah, and if you're really abusing this, this is kind of worse than Grim Hair Specs because of the life loss. If you're really trying to to do that, but there's ways to get around that, and it, the life doesn't matter in all the matchups and stuff. So, kind of speculative for now. If this never saw play, it wouldn't be that surprising. We also don't have Magma Spray, which is a good, you know, if Magma Spray were in the format, this would be a hard sell. That's true. <laughs> but you can just spray it. <laughs> yeah, pass that test. They have to at least pay two mana to exile it. So. Right, 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 right. Next, we've got Necrotic Wound. This is one black for an instant with undergrowth. Target creature gets minus X minus X until end of turn, where X is the number of creature cards in your graveyard. If that creature would die this turn, exile it instead if we are making that mid-rangey black heavy deck that like wants to run the tutor and is milling itself like this is a card in that deck this is part of the part of the package you yeah. know the the tutor is an instant speed card so that kind of turns into like three mana kill your guy if you are just yeah. stock, Exile your stocked guy. up on yeah sucked up on creatures in your graveyard yeah it'll just be interesting to see you know how likely that is to to be the case yeah I mean, there's, there's ways to be very grindy in a deck like that. Make the game go long. Make these cards, these undergrowth cards pretty good. I don't know. This is a deck that I'm definitely looking forward to. Trying to build, and I think the the wound is an important part of that deck, being so cheap. Exiling the creature, you know. Problem is that this does not do anything on turn one, and probably nothing on turn two or turn three. So how many can you actually run? <laughs> right, right, right. Um, it's yeah. The one mana is kind of a trap because you're never you're never casting this on turn one. Right. You just can't. You can, but it's not it's not going to kill anything <laughs> 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 unless a, you street race a oh, Jace no. Cunning Castaway <laughs> token. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. So. So yeah, this, I do think it's a very powerful card, but it's, you know, don't let the one mana fool you into thinking that it's as good as a shock in that kind of scenario. Yeah. I do like that you can, it's very easy to tutor for and cast on the same turn. That's, that's pretty nice. Right. Yeah. So, you know, that, that deck might be coming a little more together. And in terms of like, you know, if we can find the shell for it, these are definitely powerful cards that want that shell to exist. Yeah. 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 Uh, and this next card I actually really like in a deck like that. Um, th- this is Plague Crafter. Two and a black for a 3-2. When Plague Crafter enters the battlefield, each player sacrifices a creature or planeswalker. Each player who can't discards a card. So this is a pretty solid upgrade to Fleshbag Marauder, which right. already you know was a card that sometimes you want. Mm-hmm. But this is a-, a card that, if my opponent is playing a creatureless deck, is still quite good. If my opponent plays Teferi and then passes the turn, I have a way of just killing that with this this creature that I put in my deck for kind of removal purposes. Right. And probably it's just main decked in that black creatures in the graveyard matter because this is a spell kind of Mm-hmm. That puts a body in your graveyard. And that body that it puts in the graveyard might be your Stitcher Supplier that you played on turn one. Value. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that sounds great. Yeah, I'm in. Yeah, mill myself for some more. Make sure that creature gets in the graveyard. Yep. Yep. Perfect. And, and even if they don't have anything, like like if I play my Stitcher Supplier on turn one, I can play this on turn three no matter what my opponent is doing. If they yeah. didn't play any creatures, they still have to discard a card. Right, that's, right. that's solid. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I like this card. I'd yeah I really mean, I like it I think it's pretty good you know if, if that archetype ends up being strong I think this is gonna be one of the one of the important pieces of it yeah and I think there may just be sort of other places to use this like if I'm grinding with like eldest reborn or something like this mm-hmm. is this sort of like fits into that strategy in a way that I'm pretty okay with yeah um, very very bad if my opponent is playing one white mana creatures right yeah <laughs> You're probably going to get run over by by the White Weenie deck a little bit, but... Uh... Yeah, you need to find very different answers than... than... Right. But, you know, you got Deadweights and, you know, and this other one-mana Exile, or, yeah, minus X, minus X card. Yeah. So, you know, it's not like you don't have any game, but... Right. But, I mean, I'm in for playcrafter. I think this is, like, one of the more powerful and more... It's more versatile than some of the other black cards we've just been looking at. Um, it definitely fits into that Graveyard-y deck, but may fit into other places as well. Yeah, So for I'm sure. pretty into it. Like I, I, I would be surprised if this didn't see some pretty regular play through the lifetime through its lifetime in the format. Yeah, I agree. Flashback Marauder has, I feel like has always found a place for it in yeah. standard. Yeah. So um, this is just kind of like a better flashback Marauder. Yeah. So I'm, I'm down. I probably, probably even a C like, yeah, I'm in for that. Yeah. Next up, we have price of fame. This is three and a black for an instant. This spell costs two less to cast if it targets a legendary creature. Destroy target creature, surveil two. So when this kills a legendary creature, it is Doomblade, surveil two very strong that's good yeah even even just like ignoring that text four mana destroy any creature or surveil two it's not bad no, it's an instant it's not bad um it's definitely going to be one of the better you know one of the higher picks unlimited and i don't know if it's going to see play in constructed but the fact that it has surveil two means that it's probably going to be the removal spell that these surveil decks want to play yeah right so right. if i've got uh what's it called the the Blood Operative in my deck, mm-hmm. like this is a card that I actively want because it's going to help me get my Blood Operatives back at instant speed, um, and especially if I'm paying two mana for it, then that's that just feels great. <laughs> yeah, right. So probably going to see some relatively like the more legends that people play, then absolutely the better this gets. And mm-hmm. if like every deck has a good legend in it, then this this card is just going to be one because of the it's very rem- strong. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like one of the best removal spells in the format. If they don't, then it might be tough to sell me on playing this over Vraska's Contempt. Right. So there's a pretty wide range, I guess, as you would expect from a card that sometimes <laughs> costs two and sometimes costs four. Right, right, right. Yeah, I mean, I think that our, our you know our, our perspective on these cards that care about legendary creatures are going to be much more informed a couple of weeks into the format. Right. If we knew, if Karyzev was still around, I'd be super into this card. Oh, yeah. But she's not, so... Hard to tell. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. So kind of speculative here. But probably, actually probably going to see a pretty reasonable amount of play. I think the upside is just too high there. There there are a lot of things that could be true that we're speculating on right now that would make this card very good. Yeah. And that could either be a lot of legendary creatures or it could even just be, you know, the surveil deck is important and, yeah. and good. Yep. Um, and I think that either of those scenarios makes makes this card see standard play for sure. Yep. Agreed. Last for black, we've got Ritual of Soot. This is two and two black for a sorcery. Destroy all creatures with converted mana cost three or less. This is another sweeper that does not hit Vine Mare. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, converted mana cost three or less is uh, is definitely an interesting piece of text on a on a pseudo sweeper. Yeah, this is probably geared towards keeping the the white weenie deck in check, I guess mm-hmm. a little bit, just like the general like low to the ground aggressive decks this is probably gonna see play in at least sideboards if the deck is if the format sorry is full of you know little white weenie strategies i could maybe see like one or two of these in a main deck of a control deck or something yeah. like that i but mean you can tutor for it with that that tutor card. It True. is black. True. Yeah. So that's not okay, totally you know, insane. Things are coming more together. The more <laughs> the more that we're looking into this uh, in, into this deck. But uh, I think that I would I would mostly suspect this to see sideward play yeah. in standard more than anything else against normal like sort of mid rangey decks. If you're ever on the draw and you try to cast this mm-hmm. and they just cast a four mana guy on their fourth turn and you try to cast this and you kill their little guys and then they just beat you with their four, four mana guy <laughs> right. that stayed in play, this yep. is not what you want. That's not a successful exchange. Right. Yeah. For example, like the. If you are able to land this guy this like after your opponent is able to get that convoke 4-4 out for example yeah that's five that, and that that may be the death knell for this card right is if we're playing some convoke threats and some aurelias in even the most aggressive decks and this just doesn't solve those right right i i do expect it to see a little bit of sideboard play but I, it could also be true that those aggressive decks also have like strange ways of getting around this card yeah so Yep, I mean it. You know, if they're playing that convoke guy on turn three, and then this is your answer to their their cheap guys, is what it's supposed to be, but it just leaves a four four behind. That's pretty bad. Yeah. All right, that's all for black. But next up, we've got red. So we're starting off with Arc Light Phoenix. So this is three in a red for a flying haste three two. At the beginning of combat on your turn, if you've cast three or more instant and sorcery spells this turn, return Arc Light. Arc Light Phoenix from your graveyard to the battlefield. So that's impossible in standard. <laughs> yeah. You cannot cast three instants and sorceries on the same turn in standard. Right. So we're not... This is not a standard discussion, I don't think. Yeah. And also, it's going to be pretty tough for... Pretty tough. A, ...a modern deck to want this effect. Yeah. If you're casting three or more instants and sorceries on your turn in modern it's you know you're gonna want that deck to be able to win that turn right mostly we're talking about like storm stuff but in standard yeah it, it's gonna be it's gonna be a big ask for for playing something like this in in standard yep they're they're trying a little bit with a few of these cards to push some sort of storm style or maybe not even like going so far as to storm but like yeah just like counting your spells yeah, counting your spells style card. There's this enchantment I'm sure we're going to be talking about later in blue red. But I just feel like the cards that facilitate that, like rituals stuff like that, just doesn't exist in right. They just don't print rituals anymore, so it becomes very difficult. You know, the the only place where I've kind of seen this discussed that sounds reasonable is potentially as an update to Mardu and modern. Mm-hmm. um you know if we're trying to include main deck ways of kind of clocking and you know discard this to faithless looting like this is like extra lingering souls kind of to like make your faithless lootings not card disadvantage yeah and then you know that that build would absolutely require you to be running like four mana morphos. and yeah 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 uh, so you know not impossible to make it work but
1: but just it's you know, a stretch
0: it just doesn't feel like mardu needs that right yeah so yeah so, yeah, I don't really expect this to see a lot of play, kind of in any format. No, probably not. Which is kind of sad for a mythic. But, I mean, know. one one kind of nice thing is if you have multiple phoenixes in your graveyard, one turn where you do fulfill the requirement, you get all of the phoenixes back. True, true. But I don't know how we're getting multiple phoenixes into our graveyard. It's right. not, you yeah. know, we're not, like, buried alive for them or something like <laughs> yeah. that. Get them all in there. <laughs> So next up, we've got Experimental Frenzy. So this is three and a red enchantment. It says, uh, oh, this card's crazy. (laughs) Well, it's it's future sight basically. Yeah, so it says you can look at the top card of your library at any time. You don't have to show it to your opponent. You may play the top card of your library. You can't play cards from your hand. (laughs) And then it has, you can pay three and a red to destroy itself, destroy Experimental Frenzy. So yeah, this card is kind of crazy. So essentially it's it's future sight, but your the cards that you draw for your turn are gone for yes. uh until you destroy this thing. But honestly, this card can probably get you a lot of card advantage. It's important to remember that whenever you cast the top card of your library, you get a new top card of your library. Yeah. So Future Sight was pretty busted at, at times. Yeah, you can just keep on doing stuff. And because it says play, you can also put lands into play from mm-hmm. the top of your library. Very relevant. Um, you do get screwed if you have two lands in a row. You you're done. You, yes. You, you can't do anything you, else right. that turn. Um so that's definitely a downside. It's it's kind of it's hard to say what kind of deck is going to want to play this. Mm-hmm. But in terms of like just the raw card advantage on average that you're gonna get over a long period of time, you know, if you're a red deck that is trying to play a long game and outvalue your opponent, this is definitely something that I do believe is going to be strong because you can just play from the top, and then once your hand fills up naturally over the course of six turns or whatever, mm-hmm. you can just destroy this, and that's just the same as, okay, well, you've unlocked all the cards oh, in your you hand. You can mat Courier kind right, of... Right, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, you know, so so definitely potential for a lot of good card advantage, especially if your cards are generally pretty cheap and you can cast a lot of them the same turn, yep. then you can just kind of go off or whatever if you have, you know, not, you know, until you hit two lands, I guess, is like the, uh, the choke point there. Um, but it, it's definitely interesting... Yeah, and I'm wondering if that the fact that you hit two lands and you're done might just be enough to make this not work. That does seem like a pretty big downside. Cause if you do if you just like have a pocket of, of three or four lands, that's gonna be really rough. And yeah, you're just you gonna just... be doing nothing for two turns. Yeah. In a deck that's gonna dump all of its hand, like some sort of maybe mono red aggressive deck, this could be this could be potentially very strong as like a sideboard draw engine effect. Yeah. Like, I could really easily see... Got Wizard's Lightning Burn in standard right now. Mm-hmm. I think that some iteration of that is going to survive through the rotation. Uh, potentially, I don't know how much of that deck we're losing exactly. But, you know, this kind of like as a sideward option against the grindier matchups. Seems like it could be strong of like dumping your hand, slamming this, and then you just like have a lot of gas yeah. moving forward. I mean, I definitely don't think it's impossible. Uh, if we had fetch lands, I would be much more into this. We don't, but... We don't have Chandra anymore, so if you want this sort of effect, you got to choose between, like, this and Vance's Blasting Cannons. Yeah. And, you know, who knows what is the right thing. It doesn't seem like the most likely thing in the world that this is what we want, but it's certainly not impossible. Like, Future Sight, if you've ever seen that card in play in... I mean, I guess mostly, like, I've seen it in Cube and stuff, but it is not hard to make this effect busted. I don't know if we have the cards to really do that in Standard, but... Uh, cast a card, get a free card is very powerful. Uh, it has potential to be to be very powerful. Next up, we've got Goblin Banneret. It's a one mana one one Goblin Soldier. Uh, it has Mentor, and it also has pay one in a red Goblin Banneret gets plus two plus zero until end of turn. Mm-hmm. So you know this card is probably more powerful than it looks. You can you can cast it early for just a body. You can also pump it up to you know if you pump it up before you attack, then you can put a plus one plus one counter with it onto another one of your creatures. Yep. And then Goblin Banner it trades for their creature theoretically, and you're up a counter. That seems like a really positive. Sequence, so I I think this card is actually really strong, and it also functions as that early body to be at the bottom of your like mentor chain. Yes, yeah, yeah. Your three mana mentor guy really wants you to have played guys on one and two, and this is one of those those creatures. In addition to being able to mentor as well, so I think that any creature with mentor is just going to be really strong, kind of no matter how large, because the smaller creatures are going to be good in the mentor deck in order to get buffed. Mm And then, so once you put a plus one, plus one counter onto this guy, then he, moving forward, is going to be able to put plus one, plus one counters on your smaller guys. Yep. And that's just good deck building. The one thing, yes, that's just good deck building. The one thing that I am pretty concerned about with the mentor ability, and why I was very glad to see that Tajik, or however, you say his name, mm-hmm. the the red white legend uh, has haste. Is that mentor requires that both creatures are attacking? Yeah. So it's a kind of ponderous ability if none of your creatures have haste, uh, and I think that that is going to be more awkward than we th- kind of think reading mm-hmm. the cards. And you know, maybe this is gonna, maybe it's gonna be more pronounced and limited where like blocking is really a thing, and it might be hard to get all of your creatures attacking that you want to be attacking. Yeah. We'll just have to see how Mentor plays out, but I'm a little hesitant to be super excited about it because requiring both creatures to be attacking is just very, it's a very sort of slow process to get it working. Yeah. Yeah. Really understanding the play patterns in Limited is going to be super interesting. And I definitely think it's going to make cards like combat tricks really, really powerful. Sure Strike is in the set and I'm really, I think that that's actually going to be one of the more powerful Just, like, commons to pick up in your mentor It's almost an enabler for the mentor deck. Because, you you know, you need to turn these guys sideways for them to be effective, and then, you know, and then your opponent is threatening to just, like, have a blocker that is bigger than it, so you need to be able to, you know, utilize the fact that you want to attack every turn. Yep. Yeah, in Constructed... I think that you 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 have to build your deck to make it as likely as possible that you can attack with multiple creatures, right? And that means that you have to play a lot of cheap creatures like Goblin Banneret, so that when your two and three mana Mentor creatures are attacking, they've got a guy in play already who is also attacking. Yeah. So yeah, I, definitely a lot of things that it'll be it'll be interesting to see how it ends up playing out. Yeah. Um, need some testing with it because Mentor is a, you know it's a new mechanic that we haven't played with before. So we could be we could be drastically over or underestimating mm-hmm. the mechanic in general. Yep. Um, but if it is a thing and we want a red one drop, like this is this does the job. Yeah, this is there for us to to mentor with and right. onto. And it's just so perfect because it can it can on its own mentor the smaller creatures and also be mentored onto if necessary. Yep. So it just feels like it fits perfectly in that deck. Then it's also a goblin in case we want to play mono red goblins. Mm-hmm. Goblins is a thing. So yep, sure little bit speculative, but the the bar for 1-drops is not that high. If the deck needs 1-drops, it's going to play the 1-drops that it can get. And this one's got a bunch of different abilities. So. This, this one seems great, to yep. be honest. Yeah, for yep. sure. Next up, we've got another goblin. It's uh, Goblin Crater Maker. So this is 1 in a red for a 2-2 two, two Goblin Warrior. Uh, it has an ability Pay 1 and Sacrifice Goblin Crater Maker. You choose 1. Goblin Crater Maker deals 2 damage to target creature. Or uh destroy target colorless non-LAN Permanent. Which in standard is mostly Karn. Or artifacts. Yeah, that's true. It it is much better than Torch Fiend. Yes, right. Um but this this is another one of those cards that kind of has that design space of decent early. It's a two-minute two-two. Mm-hmm. And also has pretty strong applications in the late game. Yep. You can you can shock a creature to maybe like, you know, be able to make an attack and trade off like this guy and one of your other guys if you're trying to go wide to kill their like four toughness creature right you could just like kill your opponent's smaller creature combine it with a chain roller to kill like a three toughness guy sure yeah you know or if your opponent has artifacts that you care about you can probably destroy that sure or their karn you know that's it's it's phrased in a way that it hits both so well and in eternal formats too this may be who knows if you are ever going to want to like goblin matron for this because you need to have an answer for an eldrazi or for sure whatever yeah absolutely get get, get your reality smasher or whatever yeah or your thought not seer yeah you don't even need to discard a card if you're getting rid of reality smasher with (laughs) this (laughs) right perfect so yeah i mean it's it's a flexible card and i think that flexible cards in general are going to be pretty strong yep it's Um, a flexible card that has goblin in the type line so that's that's relevant yeah who knows if it'll end up seeing play it's kind of like it's not super powerful in any particular way so it's not like guaranteed to see a lot of play Mm. i think it's strong I think it's strong, too. I I mean, I think probably in standard this is going to find a place. Um, Maybe a C. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think but, just like yeah. some red aggressive decks, like this is just going to do a thing that other cards don't. Mm-hmm. Um, I like it. Next up, we have Lava Coil. So this is one in a red for a sorcery. Lava Coil deals four damage to target creature. If that creature would die this turn, exile it instead. This is a very good answer to Rekindle Lake Phoenix. <laughs> yes. Uh, so this is just a really efficient... You know, two mana for four damage, sorcery speed, and exiles the creature. Mm -hmm. Not a lot to say about this card. It's it's pretty strong, and definitely a lot of cards in the format that need to be exiled. Yeah. Uh, A lot of application there. Just probably, you know, general solid role player. Yeah. Pretty solid C here. It seems on the line between C and, like, a B. Like, I don't think this quite hits, like... A Braid, which is like the sea, like this is the removal spell mm-hmm. that we all played constantly and was great in lots of different times. And this yeah. is definitely worse than a Braid. Right. But, you know, four damage is a lot. Sorcery speed is kind of bad. Exiling is potentially great. You know, and especially like we've spent so much time talking about graveyard decks yeah (laughs) Uh, so it's not just rekindling phoenix it's going to be like you know incidental value from hitting this guy that they would want to recur later on or something like that and this only costs two mana and kills stuff that costs a lot more than two mana so and people people have been playing cut you know just like in mono red decks people have been playing cut and this is just cut but slightly better because you can cut but kills the best creature against the mono red deck so (laughs) yeah so yeah pretty strong there Quite strong. Yep. Next up is a card that we've talked about before <laughs> and I'm very excited about. This one is Legion Warboss, Goblin Rabble Master, Extraordinaire. Two and a red for a goblin soldier, two two. It has mentor. At the beginning of combat on your turn, create a one-one red goblin creature token. That token gains haste until the end of the turn and attacks combat if able. So, you know, it's a it's a three-mana mentor creature that similar to Rabblmaster. Gives you value at the beginning of combat on your turn, every turn, mm-hmm. and that is we've just kind of seen be very very powerful in the past. If you're a go wide deck, it works really well with that. It has mentor itself. Um, it's giving you, it's on its own giving you creatures to mentor onto. Yep, I just think there's a lot going on with this card that's very strong. Yeah, I mean the main downgrade from Ravelmaster here is that you cannot attack the Legion Warboss into blockers. Yeah, you know Ravelmaster. One of Ravelmaster's big strengths was that they would if they didn't have the removal spell for it they'd be forced into like casting a four drop and then blocking your three drop with their four drop and you still have, and you have tokens some tokens left over yeah, and then yeah. it trades off but legion war boss only attacks as a two two not as a four two or a five two or whatever mm-hmm. so that that certainly is worse and you're gonna have to do a little more work clearing the way against blockers but he only costs three mana self-contained like potential army in a can and like just standalone threat that i think is going to see a pretty reasonable amount of play i don't think any i don't think i'm gonna play it over rabble master in the weird decks that want rabble master whether it's like a mardu sideboard or one of the like chalice decks or something like that Ravel master is probably just better most of the time mm-hmm. but we don't have rabble master in standard and at least there's going to be matchups where like this is exactly what you want to be doing on turn three yeah yeah, for sure. But yeah, I think that, you know, we've, we've kind of talked about this card enough yeah. for the most part. I, you know, in terms of grade to give it, I could see it falling into a number of different categories. Right. It's kind of hard to say. It could be a B. It could be busted in whatever deck it finds itself in and and just like really solid. Yeah. I don't I don't really think it's going to be a, a multi-format All-Star. No. We've already got Ravel Master, so. Yeah. Yep. Uh, next up, we have Risk Factor. So... Uh, this is like the, the Browbeat of, of this, uh, this <laughs> format. It's two and a red for an instant. Target opponent may have Risk Factor deal four damage to them. If that player doesn't, you draw three cards. And it also has Jump Start, which is, I think, pretty relevant. Mm-hmm. So effectively, it's kind of like Browbeat. So it's three mana for four damage to them. They can choose instead to have you draw three cards. Um, and then you get to do it again. We've always kind of looked down on cards that give your opponent options. Right. And this is just another one of those cards that, you know, your opponent is gets to make gets to pick the one that's worse for you, and that always kind of feels bad with cards like this. But, you know, the fact that it has Jumpstart on it makes me kind of wonder. If you're casting this twice, like... Right, it, it gets a lot harder to make that choice the second time around. Right, you know, the first time around they can be like, all right, I'll go down to eight. And then you cast it again, and then they're like, I don't, I don't really want to go down to four against the red deck. Yep. But I also don't want to give them three cards, you know. It's, when I'm at eight. <laughs> right. Yeah, it's, it's, it's tough, right? So the fact that it can flash back makes me more interested in it, but I'm, I'm generally pretty wary of any card that allows my opponent to make the options. Yeah. And I think you see the Reddit thread when this card is spoiled, and people are just making the exact same mistakes that you always get with Punisher cards. Like, people, like, literally, you know, there will be a post that's just, well, four damage is bad for them, and you drawing three cards is bad for them, so this card has to be good. But that's not how Punisher cards end up playing out. Right. Like, one of those things is going to be less bad for them. Right. and they're going to choose that Typically, one. Typically significantly less bad. Yeah, yeah. Maybe your opponent is playing the, you know, the, the white weenie deck and is pressuring you, and then you draw this card and it's just a brick. Yeah. Or, you know, maybe it's like a control player who's stabilized at a pretty high life total, and they'll just take eight on the chin, and it's done pretty much nothing, right? right. So there are definitely a lot of scenarios where this card's going to be pretty bad. Um, it does have some weird some some weird interactions with the flame of keld like kind of synergy and kind of like awkward stuff it's kind of nice that you you know if you are trying to flame of keld and you're kind of forced into discarding a card or two if you discard this like you're guaranteed to have a thing you can do on your flame of keld ultimate turn yeah yeah and they're really not going to want to take six so you're very likely to get to draw the three cards and then if you can cast if you drew a shock or a lightning strike and then get to use it on your flame of keld turn like that's kind of cool that that set of interactions is kind of neat, but it's also occupying a similar space in your deck as the Flame of Keld, so I don't know how many of these things you can run. Right. You're, right, you're, sure. you're not cutting your, your burn spells for them, so... Yeah, as much as I love aggressive cards, I personally am not I'm I'm not going to pull the trigger on trying to test this out too much. So, I think that there are probably going to be a lot of people in that camp as well. I don't really expect this to see much play. No, probably not. You know, we're going to have to do something with our red decks, and we're not really sure what the right approach is, but I like my gut tells me it's not a punisher card. And I think that we do have some very strong approaches in red mm-hmm. and having this punisher card doesn't feel like it fits in with those no it really doesn't yeah so it's speculative at best and if it turns out to be an f then that's pretty normal for punishment cards <laughs> right yeah <laughs> next up we've got runaway steamkin so this one's an interesting one it's uh it's one and a red for a one one whenever you cast a red spell if runaway steamkin has fewer than three plus one plus one counters on it put a plus one plus one counter on runaway steamkin Remove three plus one plus one counters from Runaway Steamkin to add three red mana to your mana pool. I'm in love with this card. Yeah, I mean, you know, we they're trying to push some kind of Storm-esque deck in standard, and this is just like, this and a bunch of crash-throughs is pretty strong. Yeah, I don't think you need to do that, though. (laughs) I think you can just put this in your mono-red aggro deck, because it doesn't say instant or sorcery spell, it's just Mm -hmm. whenever you cast a red spell, this guy just... As a 2 chop, likely attacks as a 3-3, three, three, and then is a 4-4 the next turn. Yep. That's huge. And yep. then, I think that that add mana ability is pretty relevant. If we're running Blade Bladewing in our deck, or if we just want to pump some extra mana into Banefire, I, I think that there are things that we can do with that mana, or, or if we just, like... You know those games where you get stuck on two or three mountains and you're not quite able to cast all of your spells. This guy is great in those games. You you know you cast your spells and then you get your mana, cast the 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 card or two that was stuck in your hand, and you just get the counters back onto your steamkin after you spent it. And, you know, that's one of the ways that the red decks lose these games is by getting stuck on mana early and then you just don't get to cast your spells. And this kind of fixes that as your two drop. Mm. I, I think this is just great in an aggressive red deck and it's going to see a bunch of play. Yeah, I mean, for sure. I Just kind of like thinking through some of the play patterns for it. You know, once you get up to three counters, it can't get bigger past that. But you can use those three counters for mana to add, cast more red spells to put those counters back. Right back on, yeah. Right. So I think that... You know this this card definitely has a lot of potential to be pretty strong in like a a medium red deck. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I'm with you. I I agree. I think this card is probably stronger than it looks on the surface. Yep. Yep. Don't forget that if you've attacked and they've blocked, and you activate this guy's ability, he's gonna die. So yes. Yeah. Very true. Whichever side of the battlefield. If he he has any points of damage on him, and you you activate its ability, then. He's going to buy the dust. Yes. So, you keep know, careful with that. <laughs> when you're blocking, keep that in mind, right. like that might, you might want to chump to keep them. To disincentivize them from using the ability, so just a thing to think about. That that feels like one of the mechanics that I'm gonna have to learn the hard way on, yeah. on Magic Online, like yeah. a couple of times. <laughs> yeah, they'll like, oh, they block my walking blista, and I didn't yeah. realize it. And now my walking is in my graveyard instead of <laughs> dealing damage to stuff. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely learned that lesson the hard way. <laughs> yeah. I've definitely also tried to exert my glory bringer on opponents' glory bringers the hard way on oh, Magic Online. It it doesn't end. it doesn't end well. Yeah, you know, gotta gotta make those kind of mistakes. So now to green. Yeah. Um, well, I guess we need a grade for Runaway Steam Can. I think it's at least a solid C. Okay, if you're right and it does like fit really, really well in a red deck, I could, you know, I could see it being pretty strong. I think so. it's going to be one of the better cards in the red deck. It as a two mana card with one toughness, it is kind of vulnerable to Chain Whirler when you're on the draw. Mm-hmm. So you know, sequence accordingly. Yeah. yeah don't yeah. don't leave yourself with one toughness versus Chain Whirler. Good old Chain Whirler. All right. So to green. We will start with Beast Whisperer, which is 2 and 2 green for a 2-3. Whenever you cast a creature spell, draw a card. And notably, this is an elf, elf druid. Mm-hmm. So, potential one-of in elf decks to cord for. Honestly, seems really strong in Legacy Elves, Yeah, crazily enough. Uh, I think that this is, if you're playing Legacy Elves, and it's just kind of like a glimpse on a stick. You can you can green sun zenith for it as you know green and like turning green sun into a another payoff card just like as a as a medium green sun a, target a bridge payoff you know when you can't quite crater hoof or something right you just like do this and then start casting more guys this card honestly seems very very strong in in that you know legacy deck and I to be fair I haven't played legacy elves in quite a while but I I do have a good a good number of reps with it. And uh, it just feels like this card has some really strong potential there. Yeah. So, you know, definitely worth trying out. I'm pretty confident that legacy elf aficionados are going to look at this card and be like, let's give it a shot. So if it is as strong as I think it looks on paper for legacy elves, I'm... I'm confident that the legacy players will be able to find it and start playing it, and and we'll end up seeing it in in that archetype. Yeah, and you know one of the really powerful interactions in Legacy Elves is the ability to Elvish Visionary plus Wirewood Symbiant, mm-hmm. Uh, to just return the Visionary and keep casting it to draw a card. You know this plus Wirewood Symbiant means that in a a grindy game, any elf is then an elvish visionary. Um and so that just right. makes it that much easier to set up a thing like that. Obviously yeah. if you're doing it with a visionary, then you're drawing two cards each time. Well station. right, yeah. Generally if you have, you know, enough mana to work with and a wirewood symbiote and a glimpse, you're gonna win. Yeah. It's just over. Yeah. So this card being in your deck, even just like as a one of, suddenly makes plenty of mana plus wirewood symbiote plus a, a, a green sun, mm-hmm. a win. Yeah. Right? So that's really strong. That is that is really cool. Yeah, I mean, I'm down. That, that sounds... Yeah, just sounds like it opens up a whole set of, like, cards that just do it for you. Right. And... It's not unrealistic that I'm crazy, and this effect has existed before on some sort of creature. that's I know made. it exists on like a six mana creature, right? But it's the fact that it's very different f- on a four mana the the creature. Fa- the fact that it's four mana and you can cord for it, in kind of like that that medium, or just like tap your guy's cradle for enough mana to, mm-hmm. to be able to do that. There there are a lot of ways of generating five mana with that deck, so yeah. Um, seems 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 like a lot of potential. And if we want to if we want to evaluate it also in like a standard context, I think that it's it it might be fine. I mean, it does it's... feel like this is one of those like four mana guys that if you untap with them, you probably win, mm-hmm. which is kind of tough on a four mana two, three yeah, to yeah. untap with them. The body but... just isn't very relevant at that, that mana cost, but in a, a creature have you know, in some matchup, it might be right to sideboard the, into this, uh, in mono green stompy when you're already playing 30 something creatures. If, if it's like a low removal matchup and you're just bashing your guys into each other or something, this could be a Trump. Mm-hmm. So, Yeah. Yeah, I, I like it a lot for sure. Yep. Yeah. So yeah, like pretty speculative for standard, but like seems like a really good thing to try out in more powerful formats. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, next, we've got circuitous route three in a green for a sorcery. Search your library for up to two basic land cards and or gate cards. Put them onto the battlefield tapped. Then shuffle your library. We've got explosive vegetation. Just another card that makes me more sad that they didn't print <laughs> <laughs> um, that land. Maze's but... end. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, this card definitely feels it's it's just this pretty much the same as explosive vegetation. That card it, it has archetypes where it's very strong. Um, I don't know if those archetypes are, exist right now in standard. It's it's cool to know that we have that effect. Yeah, we've been bridging like three to five in our huge ramp decks, and we have like uh, gilded lotus and grow from the ashes, maybe you know we can build a deck where we have like two mana guys that tap for mana into this into giant stuff on turn 4 that's kind of hard to do sometimes it's often pretty bad against like decks with counter spells and it may be too slow against aggressive decks but it is a potentially powerful card to have access to so you know ramping to 7 is not is no joke yeah definitely it'll be interesting to see if any you know if we find Um, an archetype where ramping into seven is what we want to be doing Mm -hmm. because there's nothing that really stands out to me right now right you gotta have something that really catches you back up for the time you spent ramping yeah so like potential archetype role player card yeah but you know we don't we don't really know yet right and it'll never go beyond that very specific role player. yeah 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 for sure next we've got district guide this is amazing how exciting it is to add a point of power to skittering surveyor <laughs> yeah this is a two and a green for a 2-2 elf scout when district guide enters the battlefield you may search your library for a basic land card or gate card reveal it put it into your hand then shuffle your library uh i'm i'm just starting decks with four district guide in them <laughs> like, <laughs> well geez uh you know like that 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 probably black green deck that's like mm-hmm. very creature and graveyard based yeah. like district guide is going to be great in that deck you know probably make sure you hit your land drops is mm-hmm. a body it really enables playing three plus colors you know maybe you play like a one of gate that's like on you know on color yeah i can easily see any of those being good reasons to want to play this card yeah and just like it bridges you from like your very early stuff to your your mid stuff like kind of guarantees that you're going to be able to cast five mana spells which i mean casting five mana spells in constructed is kind of difficult. It if you really want to be casting 5 mana spells, you got to be running like 25 or 26 lands to, to cast them on time. If you have 4 district guides in your deck, then you don't necessarily have to do that. And that's really good. I'm another, pretty excited. Another potential role player. Yeah, I, I think it's going to see pretty significant play, actually. Mm-hmm. I think, like, this this is a card that I would give a C to. I think it's going to see quite a bit of play. Interesting. Uh, next we've got... Maybe a payoff <laughs> for getting yeah. to seven mana, right? It's uh, an interesting one, yeah. Hatchery Spider, five and two green for a five seven reach. Undergrowth, when you cast a spell, reveal the top X cards of your library where X is the number of creature cards in your graveyard. You may put a green permanent card with converted mana cost X or less from among them onto the battlefield. Put the rest on the bottom of your library in a random order. So you got to both be ramping and have a full graveyard and have green permanents in your deck that you really want to hit with this thing. Uh, it feels a little too restrictive. It's well, like the worst Genesis Hydra. If you've got four hatchery spiders in your deck, and you've got seven or more <laughs> creatures in your graveyard... Well, but this is a cast trigger, so oh, it's you, a cast, can't you can't trigger. chain them. Oh, never mind. I but know. It, this card sucks. <laughs> yeah. It, <laughs> if it were in enters <laughs> The Battlefield and you could just chain them, I would be that's that is what my border right my, you just my, have like 20 cards in your graveyard you're gonna find another yeah. one and you just keep going like that that is absolutely what my district guide deck would be trying to do is just chain the four hatch, yeah. hatchery spiders ramp into seven mana and make four five sevens every time I'm yeah in, i'm in let's do it i think probably you know the body is not super exciting for seven mana at five seven reach it's okay yeah to be fair though you know if there is like a solid ramp strategy i think that this is going to be one of the cards that's going to be strong against control decks sure because the There's two ca- threats because this is a cast trigger that mechanic is generally pretty good against control decks you know you're putting two threats on the stack at the same time mm-hmm. hopefully you'll be able to hit something other something else big and powerful that they're going to need to counter yeah or deal with in some way so maybe like a one or a two of i guess in, that's what it feels like in like some sort of like big ramp uh, but it can't just be ramp. Yeah, it needs to it be ramp to be... and creature based, and be putting creatures into its graveyard. That's right. uh, feels kind of like a tall order to me. You know, Genesis Hydra asked for one thing, which is mm. you put mana into it, and it, then it paid you for that. This right. is, and, and it's it only gets a green permanent too. <laughs> yeah, it just feels not right. quite there. Feel, to yeah. me. I agree. I agree. So speculative. D. Yeah. Next up, we've got Crawl Harpooner. This is one and a green for 3-2 Insect Warrior, with Reach, and it has undergrowth. When Crawl Harpooner enters the battlefield, choose up to one target creature with flying you don't control. Crawl Harpooner gets plus X plus O until end of turn, where X is the number of creature cards in your graveyard. Then you may have Crawl Harpooner fight that creature. Notably, if you don't have a creature with flying to fight when this comes into play, it doesn't get the boost. So, if you're trying to do some sort of, like, fling shenanigans or whatever, it, it really doesn't work with this card. Yeah. Um. But, I do like this as a split card. As a 2-drop in Stompy with 3 power, fine. Yeah. Uh, and then it kills their... You know, it's not the best card at killing Lyra Dawnbringer, because they gain the life because they fight. But it, it still kills Lyra Dawnbringer, you know, if there are other... Flyers in the format. I think mostly this is just your two drop that has three power, and that's fine, but it has some utility later on, and I think that makes it a fine card. Right. Important to note that just as a two mana three two reach, the card's pretty strong. Yeah. We don't have Scrap Heap Scounder anymore. Right. So yeah. And and you know, the Mono Green decks were playing Scrap Heap Scrooger just because honestly they just needed another powerful two drop. Yeah. And I think that this might be the slot that, that gets to be replaced by. Also, yeah, you mentioned it pretty well, the, the upside of being able to every once in a while just, like, use this to, to destroy your opponent's flyer. Mm-hmm. That feels pretty strong. And if they have a amoeba in play, this just kills it for free. Right.
1: So, um, yeah. I don't know how relevant that is. <laughs> or just, like,
0: you know, random 1-1 flyers or something. Yeah. Could just, like, be able to take those down. You know, if if the White Weenie deck plays the that 1-1 lifelink flyer as well. Just, yeah. Yeah. Like if you're on the play, you can just like just nope that. Right. That's that's almost game. <laughs> yeah, that's that's pretty strong, you know? That's a pretty big pretty big tempo swing. Um and this guy has reach, you know, and a good blocker. So yeah, I, I like this card a lot. I think it's I think it's gonna see play yep. in, in the green decks. Yeah. One of the sad things is since you need the target for the undergrowth ability, you don't get to just play this as a ritual to get Galta out. If oh, you could yeah. just play this and it has like seven power for one turn, and then right. you just slam Galta. But not how it works, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. But yeah, this is yeah. just a solid good, C. Good like, design to make sure that that's not how it works. Probably That would have been silly. Probably true. But I, I think this is a solid C. It's just going to see play. It's going to be a, a, a good two drop in, in the green Stompy decks. Yeah, for sure. Oh, we've Got another card for those decks next. We've and, got a couple of those cards coming <laughs> yeah. up. We've got some good, good green cards coming up. Yeah, this is probably just my week one deck. <laughs> uh, yeah. So Nullhide Ferox is two and two green for a beast... Hexproof. You can't cast non-creature spells. (laughs) Two generic mana. Nullhide Phyrex loses all abilities until end of turn. Any player may activate this ability. And it's got, if a spell or ability an opponent controls causes you to discard Nullhide Phyrex, put it onto the battlefield instead of putting it into your graveyard. So basically, it's got like, Frost Titan Shroud. Mm-hmm. They and have to pay also... mana to make it lose Hexproof, essentially. Right, right. So their they're spells that kill it cost two more. And it also keeps you from casting non-creature spells unless you want to pay two mana to... Yeah, but we don't, we don't have any of those. <laughs> I I mean, we do kind of want to run Planeswalkers, especially, including in the matchups where this is good, so you, you're so not, art. like, swapping them out yeah. sideboard-wise. But if you've got a 6-6 Hexproof in play, then you're doing okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think this card's very strong. Also, notably, this card kind of crushes Nicol Bolas. Yeah, I don't want to play Nicol Bolas if yeah. this card's in the format. If people are playing mono green, and then you're playing a Nicol Bolas deck that's making your opponent discard a card. Prize. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that could be pretty rude. Awakening. Mike Siggers had a good point when he was talking about this card on on the Pro Points podcast, where he was saying that Nicol Bolas a lot of times isn't great against these types of decks, anyways, mm-hmm. and so. Um, your opponent might have been kind of incentivized to board it out anyways and is extra incentivized now that Nullhide Phyrex exists. So this isn't a great sideboard card against a deck like that, Yeah. but you are getting a lot of value by having a game one against a deck like that. And this this feels like a card that is totally reasonable to have in your main deck. Mm-hmm.
1: It's oh, just yeah, gigantic.
0: Sure. It's a, yeah, 4-6-6 mana, six, six Hexproof. Yep. Yeah, I mean, I, I think this card's very strong. I think that the mono-green decks will play it. We'll see how we'll see what impact this card has on. I mean, I think it's going to be very influential in the format in encouraging people to play certain types of removal spells. You can't kill this with Vraska's Contempt, really. Vraska's Contempt costs six to hit this with. You need your your cast downs or something like that, that you can trade evenly on mana. And uh, I think it's going to be very influential on deck building in the format in general. Yeah, for sure. It, it, just one of those cards that just merely by existing is going to impact some decisions that people make in a deck building process, or the deck selection process even. Yeah. So. Yeah, and it's it's great. You know, it's even great against the aggressive decks, because how do they attack through this? And they they don't, like, how many burn spells can you aim at this thing after <laughs> right. two mana? Like, you can't yeah, kill yeah, us yeah. with lightning strikes. It, yeah, it seems very, very strong against any red deck, for sure. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. And even like casting the the Convoke Oblivion Ring is gonna be you gotta pay two mana and then you've gotta Convoke it out, which is like possible, but it's you're you're definitely tapping annoying. a bunch of creatures probably and then getting smacked by whatever guys your opponent has in play. So uh, this, I mean, I kind of want to just give this card a B. It just seems like it's gonna shape the format for at least the early stages of the format. It could, it certainly could. So yeah, I'm yeah, I'm definitely down with a B for now just seems super powerful for sure unfortunately mythic rare you know like obstinate bell is not a mythic rare (laughs) i don't know yeah i'm gonna pay too much money for my set of these i assume well right yeah that's that's just found to happen these days but yeah and yeah next is another mono green stompy card this is pelt collector Mm. this is one green mana for a one one when another, another creature you control enters the battlefield or dies, if that creature's power is greater than Pelt Collector's, put a +1/+1 plus one, plus one counter on Pelt Collector. As long as Pelt Collector has three or more +1/+1 plus one, plus one counters on it, it has Trample. So this is a lot like Experiment One. It's kind of got to evolve, but kind of even better. Yeah. Right? You know, if you if you like, if you lead with this and then play your three two, mm-hmm. that then trades, trades for their flyer. Yeah. Then oh yeah, three three. There you go. You know, it's <laughs> if they played like a, a 2-2 flying pirate or something like well, yeah, that. But that that doesn't seem very realistic. But if you if you play a 3-2 and then you trade that 3-2 off, yep. then you know this triggers twice off of that, which yep. is something that's And this is pretty much always gonna trigger twice off a of Steel Leaf Champion. If you play a Steel Leaf Champion and then they're forced to aim a removal spell at it because it's Steel Leaf Champion. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Like even if this guy was already a two-two or a three-three when the champion came into play. Like, or four four, yeah. Like this guy is, could easily get up to four four or five five. Yeah. The reason playing against mono green stumpy is so hard a lot of times is because they have a real one drop. They have lanowar elves, mm-hmm. and none of the other decks in the format have an assertive thing that they can do on turn one. Now mono green has two. a very powerful thing that yeah. they can do on turn one. Yeah, very a- powerful. Yeah, and and so starting out, like there's just going to be so many games where. A player plays a forest and taps it and is ahead. You know, if you don't have like a one mana response to Pelt Collector that, that takes it out, it's just going to keep getting bigger over the course of the game and be a real threat. And that, the tempo that it's going to create is very real. The The life total impact it's going to be just going to be eating away at you from the very be- beginning of the game. Games where your opponent has a Pelt Collector versus games where they don't have a Pelt Collector are going to be fundamentally different and yeah this card is just extremely powerful yeah i, I agree with the very very powerful aspect it's it's going to see play as a four of in the in the stompy decks that are mono green might even see play in some just like green x aggro sure. decks definitely you know i I'm, I'm very very confident that this card is going to be a pretty prevalent standard yeah so what like i mean c b like it's just real real strong yeah maybe maybe like b minus yeah sprouting renewal is two and a green for a sorcery with convoke. Choose one, create a two two green and white elf knight creature token with vigilance or destroy target artifact or enchantment. So, yeah, generally powerful just because it's a modal spell. Yeah. You can destroy an artifact or enchantment or make a guy. The guy is not the most powerful. You know, it's just a 2-2 two, two vigilant creature, but it you know the three mana costs of this is just you can kind of look like look at it as slightly cheaper just because of the fact that it has convoke, mm-hmm. and I could honestly if you know if there's some really powerful green white convoke powerful green white convoke deck, I I think that this could even just like see play potentially in in that strategy in the main deck. Yeah, um, I mean any convoke cards that you can get in make your your Emera that much better yeah like the more free taps you get of her to to get Just uh like dudes, dudes is, right is better and this is a way of getting that and there's plenty of good artifacts and enchantments that are going to see play in this format so yeah i mean i think this card's stronger than it looks yeah. i guess i would say yeah, I mean, you're you're a little disappointed whenever you have to make the knight, mm-hmm. but you're probably doing that because there's a specific reason that you, you know, whether you just want to cast a Convoke spell or you just need one more creature for whatever you're doing with creatures at that point. Right, right, right. So, yeah, sure, think solid, reasonable role player. So now we're kind of moving on to the guild-specific yeah. cards, uh, starting off with Boros. So so these are the Boros cards that we're, we're interested in talking, off, is talking about. And we're starting off with, honestly, one of the cards that I'm most excited about sure. at this new set. This one is uh, Aurelia Exemplar of Justice. It's two and red-white for a 2-5 flyer, um, legendary creature Angel. It has Mentor. It also has, at the beginning of combat on your turn, choose up to one target creature you control. Until end of turn, that creature gets plus two, plus zero, gains trample if it's red, and gains vigilance if it's white. That ability is really good. Like, the the fact that it kind of has half haste, that it pumps a guy the turn that it comes into play, and then is able to hand that out each turn, like, that's that immediate effect on the board is so good. Yeah, for sure. So it comes down, and it immediately bumps your guys up. If you put it on a red white creature, it gives it you know trample and vigilance. More likely, it's you're you're probably going to be base white or base red. I suspect in this mm-hmm. deck, um, so it's probably going to do one or the other. But just give give that buff to your to your other mentor guy. Yeah, that mentor guy gets to trigger where otherwise he might have like already triggered or something. Yep, to to be able to not do that anymore. This card alone give, has has Mentor. You can target itself with its ability after the turn it comes into play, and then you're attacking with a 4-5 Vigilant Trample uh, Flample. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or you can... Give the pump to something else, and then with Mentor, and Mentor onto your Flying Angel, like, the the flexibility of where you want the Mentoring tokens to go to, or counters to go to. Exactly, exactly. The flexibility is super strong, super strong. So, I'm really excited about this card. I think that Boros Mentor is actually probably just going to be the first archetype that I try out in Standard. Just for brewing and, and testing and stuff, and and this is definitely one of the reasons why I yeah. think that this card and the next card that we talk about are are going to be very strong. Yeah, deck. and guess what? Guess what? Guess what? This card meets the requirements for. Oh, what you, you can militia bugler into Aurelia. <laughs> Oh my God! I didn't even notice. <laughs> That's so strong. I mean, we don't have like vials or ways to cheat on mana. Militia Bugler works but really well with Mentor. It it does, yeah. To like once you put one plus one plus one count on, and it's a three four vigilance. It's really rumbling pretty mm. hard. So I, you know, maybe Militia Bugler is is part of this deck. Yeah. I could definitely see it. And and once we're starting to do that, I think that this deck is going to be more of like a mid-range deck. Mm-hmm. I think that there are a couple of ways of building like a mentor deck. One of them is probably going to be like a, a one-drop like maybe sub-convoke theme, but mostly just like, you know, small efficient guys. Okay. Um but I think that there's also going to be a pretty strong just like kind of more mid-rangey, not really mid-rangey per se, but like kind of like bigger aggro deck that's mm-hmm. just kind of like built to to make all of their creatures insurmountably powerful. Sure. And and I, I definitely think that this card is, is a big piece of that. Um, kind of like bigger Boros aggro deck. Sure. And this next card is going to be uh, as well. So this next one is uh, Tajik, Legion's Edge. It's uh, 1 and red-white for a 3-2 haste legendary creature. It also has Mentor. Which uh, is so good with haste. Oh my goodness. Yeah, so Having... 3 mana, 3-2 three, Haster with Mentor yeah. it seems really strong. If you're on the play, and you get to just, like, crunch in with this card, and then your 2 drop, mm-hmm. whatever your 2 drop might have been... Yep. Um, Even if they immediately trade a creature for this, like, you've gotten solid value you've, out of yeah, it. Yeah, you've traded for the guy, gotten your your other guy bigger. It seems really strong. And there are also two additional pieces of text on this that are very relevant, yeah. I think. One of the pieces of text is prevent all non-combat damage that would be dealt to other creatures you control. Yes. So their lightning strike has to hit this guy if uh, you know if they're trying to play that kind of removal game. Which it probably wanted to. Hit, yeah, anyways. it probably wanted to, but restricting your opponents... We, I mean, we just talked about... It's always Robbie, good to restrict options. As, you know, as... As bad it is as it is, to give your opponent more options. It's 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 pretty good to to prevent your opponent from having options. And I mean, this does protect your guys from you know like sweltering suns type effects. So right, right, that, and that, that's kind of like the you know one of the one of the more powerful applications of this piece of text is that yeah, you're, you know if your opponent tries to cast some sort of pyroclasm effect, mm-hmm. Tajika's gonna valiantly stand in the way of of <laughs> you, the rest of your creatures dying. You just use his shiny yeah. feather sword and. Right. Block the fire. From whatever his <laughs> what Shiny yeah. feather sword. Yeah, that's that's what it is. <laughs> yeah. um, and then you can also pay Boros to give Tajik first strike until in turn. Yeah. Solid. So, so if we're getting into the mid game, yeah. he's very hard to block. Yeah, for sure. You can mentor onto him and then give him, you know, if you've got other stuff going on yeah. as well. Yeah. Once he's picked up a counter or two, he's just a very real threat. Oh, mm-hmm. man. Yeah, like a 4, four three first striker, now all of a sudden, you know, no, yeah, it's getting very hard to block. You can't even block that with a Steel Leaf Champion, yeah. which is my go-to for large, you know, <laughs> size comparisons. Yeah, yeah, Steel Leaf Champion, I mean, that's a, good, that's a good point, for sure. What do we think about this card, potentially, in Modern? Because he does have that human creature type. He is a human. The, I think that the the biggest reason I would want to play this guy would be for the prevental non-camera damage sure. piece of text. Yeah, vile him in in response to a lightning bolt. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. No, for sure. And, and that is very relevant. Do that. Or, you know, vile him in response to Anger the Gods or something like that. Yep. Definitely some potential. Uh, it's going to be a hard press for me to play him over something like Selfless Spirit, though. Mm-hmm. I think that just like the flexibility of like having the cheaper save all of my guys text is. And and that card also protects against so many more sweepers than just the the pyrocosmy effect right and you can you can violin in the self of spirit at your convenience right rather than you know just I mean I guess this is kind of similar because like whichever one you put into play they can choose to kill it before they cast their sweeper but self of spirit just kind of is seems a little bit easier yeah. to to get down in the right situation. And if they have like extra mana up, then it's not unrealistic they they like, cast their anger the gods, you vile the sin, and then they, like, path him before sure. their anger resolves, and, and that, that, doesn't, that feels bad. That doesn't work against selfless spirit, right. yeah. So, yeah, I, I'm pretty hesitant to put this guy into humans, but I definitely think that I'm excited to play, or at least test him out in standard yeah i mean i think he's just going to see a lot of play in standard i I think that's yeah this this boros archetype seems pretty pushed to me you know we already have a lot of pretty powerful red and white cards and then there's just a bunch of stuff that makes it makes it pretty strong in in this set yep agree next up we've got uh true fire captain so this guy is part of the cycle that's like pretty heavy on um mana requirements Mm -hmm. Uh, It's like a bunch of four mana on-color guild cards. So this is the Boros one. So he's two red and two white to cast. It's a 4-3 with Mentor. Whenever Truefire Captain is dealt damage, it deals that much damage to target player. So to me, this feels like how not to do Mentor. Yeah. (laughs) Like, it's just expensive it doesn't have an effect of the turn it comes into play like if they kill it with a lightning strike you get some value but like it's just so slow like it doesn't mentor until turn five like Mm -hmm. that doesn't feel that feels very slow to me compared to aurelia and tajik Oh, for sure, yeah. And on top of that, I think that this this card is harder to cast than you might expect. Yeah, having exactly two red and exactly two white is going to be pretty tough. I think that our Boris mana in standard is pretty strong, mm-hmm. so it might be possible. But the payoff just to me isn't really there. It's it's four mana for a four three with mentor that has some other line of text. Not really impressed. Yep, um, it is a knight. It does get pumped by History of Banalia. Yeah, it is a knight. That's that's true. But it's potentially pretty pretty relevant, but But I'm mostly not interested in this card at all. Yeah. Next up we have the Boris card that's in the um this one is the rare split card. Mm-hmm. I think that we get a an uncommon split card and a rare split card for each. Yeah, skill. and they all kind of have like a small half that's hybrid mana mm-hmm. and, and usually just like one or two mana. And then they have a bigger half that's more expensive and costs one mana of each color. Yeah. And I really like all of these cards because the design space for these was really awesome because they're good early and late. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of like one of the things that I see that I've seen a lot of in this current set. Sure. I think that R&D is just kind of learning that those cards are just like generally make for good magic, Mm -hmm. especially in a standard format and limited formats where... You don't really get these cantrips that help streamline your draws. Right. Uh, so you need your draws having, to having, be right, versatile. Having some sort of versatility built into the cards themselves, I think makes for really good play yeah. in in standard formats, in limited formats. Sure. So I really, really like seeing a bunch of cards that kind of like have that versatility built into them. Mm-hmm. It's going to be hard to notice that happening when you're playing but I think that it will have a very big impact on variants in Standard mm-hmm. um, and in Limited. So that's that's just kind of good and cool to see from a design standpoint. Yeah. But anyways, so this one is the Boros rare split card. It's Response and Resurgence. Do uh, Do we have like a particular... No, way of I don't think these, yet. yeah. Yeah, like the old split cards were X and Toon Y, and yeah, the right. Almanquette ones were, yeah, Rags, Two Riches. Mm-hmm, these yeah. are just, yeah, Response and Resurgence. Yeah. yeah, so Response and Resurgence. Response is Hybrid Boros. Hybrid Boros. So two mana for an instant. The response deals five damage to target attacking or blocking creature. We've seen that card before. It's, it's a pretty fine removal spell in certain contexts. Yeah, and five. Most creatures. It's gonna are kill, kill gonna die pretty much any attacking or blocking creature, yeah. I think. But they do have to attack or block. Yeah. And then Resurgence is a sorcery for three and uh, red white. Creatures you control gain first strike and vigilance until end of turn. After this main phase, there's an additional combat phase followed by an additional main phase. You all of your guys get first strike and vigilance, so they can attack twice this turn because of the vigilance, mm-hmm. and you get an additional combat phase. Uh this card seems the the back side of it, I feel like if you just like have a decent board presence where the first strike makes the difference between your creatures living and not. Yeah. Um casting this card probably just ends the game. And, you know, being able to put that on a card that's kind of like split with just like a very efficient removal spell. Mm-hmm. Um I I think this card's excellent. Yeah, I I think the, the putting it on the split card with the removal spell is really what sells it to me. Mm-hmm. I think Resurgence feels a lot like an overrun yeah and overruns are kind of tough sells in standard because a lot of times the game just doesn't play out to a point where like that you know you traded some guys for removal spells and now you have two dudes in play and overrun is bad yeah but now we have the the fail case of like hey we've got a perfectly serviceable removal spell Mm -hmm. and while response is not exactly the removal spell you want in your aggressive boros deck you know maybe this fits well into that sort of more mid-rangey boros deck where like yeah, it's okay if I don't get the damage through from my guy. I killed your your creature for two mana, and I'm getting tempo. And, and then sometimes, and, and maybe not that often, maybe in like 10% of games or 15% of games or something, Resurgence is going to just deal lethal damage when nothing else would. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, if you have the board for it, that can be an extremely powerful effect. Right. So... But I'm just, you know, I'm just picturing, like, these Boros decks, like, generally having a lot of power, and then, you know, getting to double down on your Mentor triggers with the additional combat steps. True. True. That's um, cute. That's really cute. Right. I mean, it's just, it just feels like it all fits. So I, this is definitely going to be an include in my, in my initial brew of that yeah, kind of, like, bigger Boros deck. Just because, yeah, I mean, you know, Resurgence is situational, and it's not always going to be good, and, and you're definitely not always going to want to have a ton of these, but... The fact that it comes attached to a fine removal spell seems really strong to me, so I'm I'm pretty excited about this card. My main problem with it is that the attaching response to the Resurgence does not give it a mode that you want against a control deck, and that, that may be enough to you know, make me not want a ton of copies of this just because if I'm playing against like a Settle the Wreckage deck, you know, neither half of this card is really doing anything sure. for me. Right. Yeah, I mean, you might try to cast the Resurgence or whatever to get two attacks in, but... Right. But they've probably been spending removal spells on your guys, so it's yeah, less yeah. effective. And For sure. For sure. Yeah. Next up we have... So this is the, the uncommon split card of Boros. Integrity is a single hybrid Boros instant target creature gets plus two plus two until in a turn so like a good combat trick yeah um one mana instant plus two plus two attached to intervention which is two and a red and a white for an instant intervention deals three damage to any target and you gain three life so four three mana lightning, man, lightning, lightning elix Helix. yeah yeah and honestly i think that this card is also pretty strong i don't know if it's constructed strong but it does have a lot of really cool flexibility, and this is definitely definitely a, a really, really huge limited payoff for being in these colors. Oh, yeah, I'm excited but, to first pick this card. Oh, yeah, yeah, easily. In standard, I don't know if it quite makes the cut for that. Yeah, I think it's just gonna be very, very rare that you can profitably cast intervention. Four mana to deal three damage to a creature. Like, yes, you're gaining three life, but you're not trading for a card that costs them four mana most of the time. Yeah. I really would like to have a split card that I can run in Constructed where half of it is a pump spell and the other half is, like, more along the lines of a Constructed playable card. So that—because there there are times where you're just like, man— if I just had a pump spell here in this combat situation, that would be really cool. But you can't afford to run pump spells in Constructed because yeah, yeah, yeah. they're so situational. Mm-hmm. But I don't think this is quite the card for that. Right. Four mana Lightning Helix is, like, fine, you know? Yeah. Um, if there were three mana Lightning Helix on the other side of this card, I'd be much more interested. I would interested. snap it off. I'm, I'm yeah. pretty sure. Yeah, for sure. But four, yeah, four is just a lot. So I'm not really sure if if I'm going to... You know, there's so many Boros cards that I want to play. At, play, yeah. and, and most of them have to be creatures... So yeah, this one feels like it doesn't quite get it for me. Mm-hmm. Although a pump spell with there's there's a double strike creature coming up, so that kind right. of well, ups- yeah. <laughs> But I, I don't think it quite gets there. Yeah. So next up we've got chance for glory. So this is one and a red and a white for an instant. Creatures you control gain indestructible. Take an extra turn after this one. And that's what, that's all it says. <laughs> <laughs> no, then it says uh at the at the beginning of next turn's uh, at the beginning of that turn's end step, so your extra turn's end step, you lose the game. So this is pretty much, what is it, glorious end from from our Devastation? Yeah, yeah, End yeah. the turn, and then you lose the game at the end of the next turn? Yeah, something like that. But I honestly, I think that this card is more powerful than that. Probably a little bit. So I think that there are a few interesting applications for this. I think that it could be a really good sideboard option against whatever you know against decks that are trying to cast some sort of wrath effect see i actually don't really like it there because i think it's almost identical to glorious end in those situations because if if my opponent is fumigating me and i glorious end in response to that fumigate i end the turn i get to untap with my guys and i get to kill them but that was never good enough to run glorious end and so that makes me pretty doubtful that that's gonna be a, a, a situation where i want chance for glory that's fair that's fair uh, the, the the better scenario for this card, I think, is when you are making some sort of big attack and, mm-hmm. and want to end the game, like, with that big attack, with, right. followed up by another big attack. Like, if you're attacking and your opponent is hoping to, like, trade off a bunch of creatures, mm-hmm. and then you say, just kidding, I'm actually going to eat all of your creatures and then kill you this next extra turn. Yeah. But, again... Like, I'd rather just have response and resurgence for that sort right. of job, right? I I I think that this card is runs the danger of being too cute um, yeah. and kind of at too high of a risk. It's going to be a little too narrow a vast majority of the time where, you know, you're you're going to have one sitting in your hand and you're going to be waiting and waiting for that this card to be really good. And yeah. then by the time that it, a couple of turns down the road, your opponent's like answered some of your creatures and then it just gets worse and worse and you're just kind of sitting there wishing that this was Literally anything a, a else. body. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I'm yeah I'm generally pretty hesitant to to play this tight style of card in, in any of my decks. I, I think it's an F for me. I mm-hmm. I don't want to be playing that card. But you know the uh, maybe maybe we'll put a one of in, in some yeah. of the some of the versions of this deck just to try it. Yeah, just get it. somebody. And, yeah, just to try it. It is really weird that it just gives creatures you control indestructible forever. So if you don't lose the game, like if you have like a Gideon emblem or something like that, I mean, that's not a standard thing, but you know, if you have some way to make yourself not lose the game after casting this, Mm -hmm. you just have some creatures that permanently have indestructible, (laughs) right? and then creatures you cast after those creatures don't have indestructible. It's very weird. It's going to be strange for sure. Next up we have Deafening Clarion. So this is one, a red, and a white for a sorcery. Choose one or both. Deafening Clarion deals three damage to each creature and or creatures you control gain lifelink until end of turn. A weird combo. Right, yeah. Uh, we talked about this a little bit before. It's going to be weird where a deck is going to try to utilize both of these effects. Mm-hmm. But but it is, you know, three mana, three to each creature is standard. It's standard playable. It's, it's very strong. Um, it's in a kind of a weird color combination for that. In red white, but maybe there's some sort of Jeskai control deck that wants to wants to run this. It seems pretty likely to me that there is, you know, sort of a blue red base deck that's splashing for teferi is yeah. kind of where we're headed. I don't know how castable this is going to be in that deck because my gut feeling is that like part of how we're splashing for teferi is like kind of relying on Field of Ruin to guarantee that we have that white mana on turn five or six or so and maybe you know that's not that that doesn't really help us cast and clarion on turn three right so but at some point this three mana three damage to each creature spell in red and white is just going to be a thing that a, a, a deck that can cast at once yeah yeah for sure so yeah, definitely. I think that this card is a role player. Yeah. Um. I I'd be super surprised if it never saw any play in Standard. Sure. It might not happen in in like after this set is released, but it's definitely going to be a card that some at some point down the line is going to see play. Right. Three mana deal three to each creature is just a really really strong effect that people are going to want to have access to. Yep. Next up we have Swiftblade Vindicator. Uh. So this is a a two mana one red one white one one, with Double strike, vigilance, and trample. So two mana, one one. Uh, that's Boros, and it has double strike, vigilance, and trample. So this card is going to be very very strong with any other mentor cards. Yes. Generally, you're just going to try to pump this guy up, and um, this guy into Tajik is really really good. <laughs> yeah yeah. This guy followed up by Tajik attack with both. You get a two two double strike, vigilance, trample. Or this guy, Um, followed up by Aurelia, is also really good. Gives this guy plus 2, plus 0. I mean, he's already got Vigilance and Trample, so I guess he gets double Vigilance, double Trample. (laughs) Yeah. But he becomes a 3-1 double strike, and that is... So just kind of like, you know, one of the cards that's going to be pretty strong. I'm actually not sure if I want this guy in, like, a constructed deck. Mm -hmm. As strange as that sounds. It's just, like he's just kind of on his own not quite enough for me to be like excited about playing it but maybe maybe i'm just wrong there maybe it just like is and i'm gonna have enough mentor of things to to make him good i i do feel like if if this and i think it might be a lady the, the art looks like a if you have her in play when you cast pretty much any of your like three and four mana guys it makes them a lot better yeah, that may be enough. I, I I agree that yeah, this is basically a two one for two. If you're not doing anything, mm-hmm. if you're not successfully mentoring, or you you don't get Aurelia into you know the combat phase, and so yeah, two one for two is clearly not good enough. And the fact that this is going to die to Chain Whirler until you get that mentor token onto it is not great. And my I'm generally pretty hesitant with cards like this. Mm-hmm. You don't need to work. That hard to make Mentor a good mechanic. Right. I i am pretty happy putting a plus one plus one counter on just any old 2-2 two, two that I played. Sure. So I, if this turns out to be just like one of the best options that I have for my two mana slot in that deck, mm-hmm. I'm definitely going to play it. But, you know, if there are other just like better two drops that are just kind of like good standalone two drops sure. that I'm excited to play... Yeah, like Adonto um, Vanguard might just be better than this for for this for these purposes. Right. I guess it's kind of hard to mentor onto Adonto Vanguard. Yeah. So it's because I mean, you because it's just like while it's attacking. It's right? Not like, it's, it's not like a, it's a trigger. It's that you not can a stack trigger. You can stack. Yeah. Exactly. Um, yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm definitely going to be looking at my suite of options for for two drops that are in this deck. In the in the really low to the ground deck, I'm going to be definitely more interested in something like a Johnny's Pride Mate. But in, like, the bigger version of this deck, then, you know, this could potentially be just something that, like, gets out of control. And that's what I'm looking for is, yeah. is the bigger version of this deck is purely just trying to get out of control and make attacks that are oppressive. But I'm pretty skeptical with this just because it feels pretty win more. I don't want to be have to play a card that that makes my other cards' effects that much better. Right, that it just isn't that good on its own. I, right. I get it. So yeah, this is definitely kind of a speculative card, but it does go pretty well with those follow-up threats. It, yeah, it does, So for sure. It, it could work out. Next up, and I think this is our last Boros card, mm-hmm. is uh, Justice Strike. So this is a red and a white for an instant. Uh, target creature deals damage to itself equal to its power. We've seen this effect before. It's just it's going to kill any... Creature with power greater than or equal to its toughness. Yeah, so as long as the format is more Steel Leaf Champions and not quite mm-hmm. as many... I mean, it does not kill Aurelia, and that's pretty real. That is true, um, yeah. So it, it. this is just a removal spell that really depends on what creatures are seeing in play. Yeah, kind of going back to brewing that Boros deck, I'm, I'm definitely going to be looking for... Uh, or looking at the uh, the power and toughness distribution of the general cards that I expect to see in standard. yeah. If it looks a certain way, I'll probably try to fit some of the number of these in the deck. If it doesn't, then uh, then it's not going to be worth it. And yeah, I mean, just like Aurelia as a good example is definitely a card that makes this card much worse. Yeah, but going over the cards that I'm thinking of uh, that, that see standard play, like this feels like it could end up being pretty close to Terminate, which we're, we we right. don't really get anymore. And that's pretty strong. It kills all of the big green creatures that we're worried about, right? Yep. And that's pretty relevant. It kills kills Steel of Champion, kills of War Elf. Kills, kills Galta. Kills Galta. That's really important, you um, know? It, it trades with Nohide Ferox on even mana. That's pretty decent. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's very good in that so matchup. I think that it definitely has a lot of really strong implications. And I think it's more likely than not that it's going to be Pretty good yeah. as a removal spell in this Boros deck. So so that's cool. Yeah. And if if there's some sort of, like, red-white, more controlling deck that's making heavy use of Deafening Clarion, like, this card is clearly a card for that deck. Um, I don't know if we have other real tools for that, but, you know, if there's some sort of mid rangey red-white deck that just wants to get a kill guys and play Planeswalkers or something like that at some point, like, this is clearly a good card in that deck. But that's it for Boros cards. Yeah. So... We'll move on to is it, and we'll start out with Ral. Is it Viceroy? So this is three, a blue and a red for a legendary Planeswalker. Ral has five loyalty to start with, plus one. Look at the top two cards of your library, put one of them into your hand and the other into your graveyard. Minus three. Ral deals damage to target creature equal to the total number of instant and sorcery cards you own in exile and in your graveyard. Minus eight, you get an emblem with. Whenever you cast an instant or sorcery, this emblem deals four damage to any target, and you draw two cards. So this is just an Omnixilus in the blue-red deck. <laughs> yeah, so this like. is our cookie cutter five-mana planeswalker that we got this set. Yep, it pluses for advantage, it minuses to kill a thing, and it ultimates to win the game. Yep, it is probably just a C. Like it's if you can't run to fairy for whatever reason in your blue-red deck, this will suffice. Yep. I mean, I, I, don't, I don't really have well, yeah, interesting I things to say about it. For sure, not not terribly interesting there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Next is Niv Mizzet Perun, blue blue blue, red red red. That is what I am saying. You did not mishear me. <laughs> yeah, it's blue blue blue, red red red. Five five, legendary creature dragon wizard. This oh, it's a wizard. You can cast wizards lightning with hey, yeah. red 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 red. <laughs> uh, the spell can't be countered. Flying whenever you draw a card niv mizzet peron deals one damage to any target whenever a player casts an instant or sorcery spell you draw a card i think mostly the problem is just that this is too hard to cast and even though you know you get like your card you get a couple of triggered abilities if your opponent has the immediate removal spell and you do probably just win the game if this stays in play i think it's just too hard to reliably get it into play yeah, I'm not sure what our is it mana looks like, but yeah, this this casting cost seems a little too extreme. Yeah, I mean it's just all the guilds that we have, we get a uh, shock land, we have the check land, and then if we want to go farther than that, we need to use guild gates or other comes into play tap lands. So I just don't really see it happening, and the fact that you don't, you really do need to untap with it to like win the game with it, or you know, play it on turn 10 or 11 when you can actually cast something else at the same time, and then you're, you're kind of doing something, but why aren't we just playing a Planeswalker? Yeah. The, the payoff for having this card in play is not good enough to be able to be, like, it's worth it to wait till, like, turn 9 to be able to cast this consistently or whatever. Right. So, I mean, this just kind of feels like an F to me, unfortunately. Yeah. I mean, very cool card, like, super great for, like, casual stuff. Will be fun to try to work out limited mana bases that can... That can do this, um and but probably not just not gonna work in standard. In right. Limited, I think it is powerful enough to be able to wait till turn nine right. to cast it. Definitely think it's gonna be very strong in limited just like as a as a super late game card. Sure. Or you know, if you get lucky, sure you can cast it on turn six. But yeah. <laughs> it's not something worth banking you on. You kinda don't want to because you wanna get a trigger or two out of it on your own spell before it dies to just like five mana destroy target creature or sure. whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah next we've got is its rare split card this is expansion and explosion so expansion is two hybrid is it mana for an instant copy target instant or sorcery spell with converted mana cost four or less you may choose new targets for the copy explosion is x and two blue and two red it deals x damage to any target and target player draws x cards this is a lot worse than sphinx's revelation yeah, the the extra mana on the on the on the explosion side definitely makes a, a big difference. And you're not gaining life, you're killing a thing, which is, you know, like maybe. kind of like an extra card. I mean, maybe. Right. But yeah, like I gaining feel gaining like... life is a lot better than getting a small blaze. At, uh, I think this is just worse than Sphinx's Revelation in pretty much every conceivable way. Mm-hmm. Um and the expansion is just not a powerful effect. Probably best case scenario, you're at, like eight mana and you like kill your opponent's Sea Leaf Champion and draw four cards. Yeah. And that feels good. But also not not super sold. And expansion, the the, the smaller side of this feels much less exciting. Yeah. I'm a little bit disappointed that they used this templating for expansion. Cause mm-hmm. I thought that they were moving towards the like um the next spell you cast this turn, copy it. Yeah. Cause like one of the like things that makes forks I mean there's a lot of things that makes forks not good one of the most annoying things is like you can't do it into open mana because if they counter the original spell then your fork also fizzles if you're trying to copy your own spell right Um, i think that the more common application actually is going to be like in a counter fight right this This is just just a counter spell yeah yeah yeah. Yeah. um and that is strong you know like actual counter spell in a counter fight is is pretty good Two mana is generally very, you know, on the on the lower side to be able to redirect their three mana counter anything that might be targeting something that you care about. Right. Um, and I mean, that's what you... Right, we side into negates because paying two mana for a counterspell is quite good. Very good. Very good. So this, this could be a sideboard card in, you know, control matchups where it is both a negate in counter wars and then maybe something you can push through to draw cards at some point. But the, it feels like generally this card doesn't quite line up well against what we're expecting to see right it feels pretty speculative to me and it seems quite bad against like if my opponent is playing lanoir elves and steel leaf champions and stuff like this card is just blank right (laughs) yeah it's gonna it's gonna be a while before you're gonna be able to utilize this card yeah so five mana kill lanoir elves draw a card that's that's not a card i'm interested in next up we've got crackling drake So this is blue blue red red for an uh, a star for with flying crackling drake's power is equal to the total number of instant and sorcery cards you own in exile and in your graveyard and when crackling drake enters the battlefield draw a card so it's kind of notable that now we have we can play eight enigma drakes yeah in a deck if we want to right but this one seems pretty tough to cast it does seem pretty tough to cast i i don't know if you are just straight blue red and you're just running a bunch of like draw and removal and stuff like i think this might actually be a pretty reasonable payoff for doing that yeah um it's very very big and it gets you a free card i don't know i'm kind of in yeah the fact that it draws you card when it comes to play is definitely you know gives it that extra edge but when i'm looking at this card i actually just mostly see like an archetype payoff card in limited more than anything else sure i I, i'm kind of i'm pretty struggling to see like a a very strong constructed archetype with involving this card uh just because you know sure it like replaces itself at worst and then your opponent probably has to deal with it but generally that like style of deck isn't strong enough for standard play sure Right, it kind of feels like a block constructed sort of. Yeah, idea. exactly. Right, it just the just the general power level of like fill up my graveyard with instants and and play like big flyers or whatever yeah. is like, it's a strong limited archetype, but it's it, it feels like it just doesn't quite get there and yeah, in construct. Maybe I just really want to play with some X fours now that there are no glory bringers <laughs> and Chandra's. Well, sure, yeah, yeah. yeah, Now that they're a little safer. Yeah, I mean, you're probably right. It probably just is not a like resilient enough thing like plan to be doing and and committing to and and that's kind of my feeling about a lot of these is it cards is i'm not really seeing how they work together right um well i mean you know this this next card might give us a hint on on how they want us to work with it sure in some sort of like counter burn strategy where you're like generally like you know interacting a lot with your opponent with burn spells and counter spells, and then also having some sort of way to, to close out the game just because you're trying to incidentally deal damage to your opponent. Yeah, maybe. Um, yeah, I mean, this is Ionize. This is one, a blue, and a red for an instant counter target spell. Ionize deals two damage to that spell's controller. Yeah. Um, I think the fact that this doesn't cost double blue is quite helpful. In a blue-red deck, this is easier to easier cast. To cast. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's, that's important. And then it just counters any spell and deals two damage to the controller, Um, You know, if you cast two of these in a game, two or three of these, like, you're really dealing significant chip damage to your opponent. Um, And so, I don't know, like, like, clearly this is a part of the Crackling Drake deck, if the Crackling Drake deck exists, but um, it might just be more, you know, of a tempo sort of thing. I don't know what creatures go into this sort of, like, tempo counterburn strategy i'm not really thinking of any that really fit in maybe the the runaway steamkin would be fine but i don't really know what else we're doing in this deck yeah for sure but but i mean ionize itself is fine it's going to see some play yeah yeah if if there is a red blue deck that wants a counterspell i think this is going to be it's it's likely that this is going to be the counterspell that you want yeah um but you know if it's blue heavy enough if that deck is blue heavy enough then so I think the one, one to surveil one is powerful. just going to be stronger. Yeah. So that's probably it. Might be likely that that's the one that you end up with, unless there's like an actual like counter burn, strategy. right? Where you that two damage really counts. Right. Right. So right. We'll sure. see if that if that ends up being a thing. Next up, we've got just like a totally different <laughs> sort of blue red card. Yeah. This is Thousand Year Storm for a blue and a red for an enchantment. Whenever you cast an instant or sorcery spell copy it for each other instant and sorcery spell you've cast before it this turn you may choose new targets for the copies so this does so we don't have any rituals in standard we don't have any ways to like ritual this out and then any spells you cast on that turn are just like multiplied by three or four yeah that doesn't really happen but it does feel like if you untap with this in a deck that's designed to have it you probably win the game how many crash through effects do we have Uh, we have a fair number i think we don't because one of them gave everybody first strike, and right? Drew a card for a that's Warlord's end. Fury, and that's from Dominaria. And the other one is Crash Through. Do we still have Crash Through? Because that was in Cat. I don't remember if it's been reprinted. Oh, uh, isn't it in in M nineteen? Oh, yeah, I think it might be. I've just literally never casted an M19. Okay, yeah. Yeah, I, it is You're, an M19. Yeah, it is an M19. Because uh, there are a few draft archetypes that I like that have a lot of crash throughs in them. Ooh, I don't like those decks. <laughs> But one of them plays your favorite X4 flyer. It's true, but <laughs> I never get the X4 flyer. Oh, uh, I see. Okay. So, all right, picture this. Your deck is full of crash throughs. Okay. You... I'm already not on board. <laughs> <laughs> So your deck is full of crash throughs. Okay. <laughs> you resolve Thousand Year Storm. Yeah. You cast a crash through. Yeah, draw one card. You cast another crash through. You draw two cards. You cast another crash you through. You draw three cards. You yeah. cast a lightning strike. You deal a lot of damage. <laughs> yeah, dude, see? Or yep. What's happening? Yeah. And but then you okay. cast a shock, and that, that shock deals like 10 damage to your opponent. Yeah. Right, exactly. Shock probably first, because, you know. Yeah. You know, that, okay that's an idea right right? maybe you play it with in some sort of like team or shell that allows you to ramp up to thousand year storm Mm -hmm. explosive vegetation into thousand year storm feels pretty strong if your deck is constructed in a way to really utilize thousand year storm i like my idea of just like the one mana cantrips alongside this just because if it's a standard format and we're not ramping we're gonna have to just like have cheap spells and that seems like one of the better ones yeah that's that's a thought on on how this could be applicable in standard. We have Opt as our only actual cantrip, right? Right. Yeah, and Opt is in standard yeah, as well. Opt so. is totally fine. So just just play a bunch of those, and and then you know. Yeah, I mean, I I definitely think like if you untap with Thousand Year Storm, you you should you, just you win. should just win the game. Um, and that's that's really powerful for a six mana enchantment. Like you know, there's not that much stuff that kills enchantments. Uh, we have seen a fair number of things in in Selesnya specifically that. Mm-hmm you know, just kill this. And that that might be too much to overcome. Just like if they have really good odds of having an oblivion ring or uh just a naturalized effect of some sort that just sets you way back and then you just have all these crash throughs you've been saving for no reason. <laughs> well, right. I mean this deck definitely has a lot of problems. Yeah, uh, you need to be able to cast those in your storm before turn six in yep. order to be viable at all in standard. You need to have the consistency where you know that you can Find your Thousand Year Storm and untap with it, and have and enough. And still things have to do. enough. Yeah. I think honestly, though, I think that if your if your deck is full of enough of those one mana draw cards, that probably is probably not going to be a, that big of a problem. Right. I mean, if you untap with this and you have a Crash Through and an Opt in your hand, you, you're probably going to be able to go off in a from pretty there. good spot. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Just lead with your Crash Through, and then you get multiple Scries on your on your Opt. Uh, right. You get to look at the top like five cards of your deck to try to find any spell, basically. Right. So yeah, I mean, definitely some potential here. For I'm sure there are some people who like to brew combo decks in standard. I'm I'm down to uh, I'm I'm gonna give it a shot. Mm-hmm. You know, I I typically give these decks a shot. Uh, I give Paradoxical Outcome a pretty decent shot back in when that was a thing with Paradox Engine as well. You know, <laughs> so yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, this is definitely an engine sort of card, and it's it there is power to be unlocked here for sure. Right. Um, we just might not have the cards to do it in standard and then in older formats like those cards on their own are like you kind of good enough without something like this right and also the kind of the ironic thing is that i'm not sure that i would want this next card in that deck right it doesn't actually help do the thing you need to do which right so so the next card is goblin electromancer just red white 2-2 instant sorcery spells you cast cost one less to cast and that doesn't really help you untap with thousand year storm it doesn't help you cast it earlier it doesn't help you do this other stuff but you know the one card that might go really well in this deck is your favorite two mana one one yeah with, you know let Let's a bunch you save of... up mana right so so yeah that's that's actually really true that might help you get out that thousand year storm a turn or earlier early mm-hmm. yeah and and help you go off once you start doing that because it's likely that all of the cards that you want to cast after you're going off are red well yeah, you know, like like that may just be a way of making of of undoing that need to untap with it. Like mm-hmm. maybe you don't win the game, the turn that you know cast Thousand Year Storm. You you tap your six lands to cast Thousand Year Storm. It triggers. It your triggers thing. your thing. Oh, you go to okay three counters. I'm into this. Okay. Yeah, yeah. 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 Then you add three red. You like cast a crash through. Cast a, a warlord's fury. You're all of a sudden drawing more cards and putting counters right back onto the steam cat. Okay. We might have a standard storm deck. Look, man. I'm 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 thinking about it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, honestly, like this this is like looking a little more realistic to me. I think. And and there are some tools in Is it to make this. The problem is though that whenever you're leaning on a creature to facilitate your combo turn You're turning on all of their removal. It's it makes things much more difficult. Sure. So definitely some, some problems to that need solving for that mm-hmm. deck to be a competitor, but the potential's there. And, yep. and that excites me. Yeah. Yeah, so- I mean Electromancer unlikely to be particularly good in standard. It is a wizard, it like turns on wizards lightning or whatever, but mm-hmm. I it's it's hard to see what you know this 22 body is not doing very much for us uh the it just it seems pretty underpowered from yeah. what we're trying to do agreed so next up we've got demir we're starting off with lazav the multifarious mm-hmm. so it's blue and a black for a legendary creature shapeshifter it's a one three when uh lazav the multifarious enters the battlefield surveil one and then it has an activated ability. Uh, cost is X. Uh, Lazav the Multifarious becomes a copy of Target Creature card in your graveyard with converted mana cost X. Except its name is Lazav. It's legendary in addition to its other types. And it has this ability. This card is strange. Yeah. It's it, it, It's mostly just going to be a 2 mana 1, 3 that comes down and scries you one. Surveils you one. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it has the potential to turn into something else in your graveyard, dot, 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 question mark. Like, I don't know when that would be particularly powerful. Like, maybe you just, like, get to, like, toolbox your graveyard or mm-hmm. something like that. I don't know if there are any particularly powerful things that you'd be looking to do there. I don't know. I'm, this card is so strange to me. It's so hard to evaluate. Well, I mean, I think kind of the starting place here is that as long as you're making the mana work uh easily it's very similar to omen speaker to start out with you know it's just a two mana one three that you get a surveil from um if you're doing graveyard stuff then you might be putting something relevant into your graveyard yeah i mean making the ability work is very strange like there's there's a bunch of like cute stuff that you can do especially with older cards and especially that people are thinking about for more casual formats you know, like if you have a a, a Bogle in your graveyard, then this <laughs> just has like one gets hex proof and then you can use it for your other you know whatever other things fair, you're doing fair. and then as long as you have a mana up you can always give it hex proof right um so that's that stuff is kind of cute in older formats this can be a phyrexian dreadnought or something <laughs> i don't think that that's really the way that we're okay, doing this all right man okay you know like there's just there are weird powerful things you can do with this card yeah and maybe we don't have the cards to make that work in standard but maybe we can figure something out I mean, it can turn into anything. Right, yeah. Yeah, so definitely worth looking out for those like weird cards that have some strange casting restriction right or, i mean more like, like etb effect that is like a huge downside or something that you can just like you know forego because you're just making this guy a copy of them sure you know like demon of catastrophes like this becomes yeah. a six six trample flyer although four. we we can just cast one for five mana it, yeah want. right <laughs> so i don't know that that's even like a huge upside but yeah i mean this is definitely speculative but it does a thing that nothing else does right and it, it's pretty cheap. It's a two mana one three. Yeah. Like like that could be just great. It's not it's not dead, you know, it it, it, it probably blocks a lot of these white weenie creatures yeah. for, for a minute. So Um yeah, definitely interesting. Next up we have the uh the rare split card in Demir. It's connive and Concoct. So Canive is two and hybrid Demir, Hybrid Demir for sorcery. Gain control of target creature with power two or less concoct is three and a blue and a black for a sorcery that says surveil three then return a creature card from your graveyard to the battlefield this seems great to me i like this card a lot it you know on turn four you can steal a small thing and then late game it's a surveil three reanimate card Mm -hmm. for five mana which is probably pretty strong yeah if we're playing some sort of soul tie deck Mm -hmm. where and we haven't gotten to the Golgari stuff but we have the you know like that creature that you get a 1-1 insect for each creature card in your graveyard like that's exactly the kind of guy that you want to return with concoct and that can be just a very powerful grindy graveyard strategy Um, and i think tacking this like you know kind of medium like four mana threads of disloyalty removal spell onto it but it does give it a lot more functionality like sometimes Arise from the grave is just not quite the card that you want in certain circumstances. Like whether you're, you just don't have a card in your graveyard that you want to get, or none are going to quite solve the situation. And being able to also just have a medium removal spell attached to it is really good. Yeah, for sure. I I would be surprised if we didn't see this card see a pretty reasonable amount of play. Yeah, it's just going to be really strong in any sort of blue-black kind of like mid-rangey mm-hmm. strategy. I feel like so. And with no Scarab God in the format, like, yeah. we can play <laughs> other five mana stuff. <laughs> no Scarab God in the format. I'm so excited. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So next up we have the the Uncommon uh, split card. This is Discovery and Dispersal. So Discovery is one and a hybrid Demir, Sorcery, Surveil two, then draw a card. Preordain. So it's Pre-Udain. Um Just for, for two. I mean, it's kind of strategic planning, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's probably a better way of looking at it. Uh, two mana, two mana to like have a decent cantrip. Mm-hmm. Not not terribly excited about that half. No, dispersal is three blue and a black for an instant. Each opponent returns a non-land permanent they control with the highest converted mana cost among permanents they control to its owner's hand, then discards a card. It's just a really bad recoil. Like that so, yeah. that half of the card is pretty bad. I mean, I think the discovery half is got to be what you're interested here Mm -hmm. interested in here um you've got to be wanting like a cantrip that interacts with your graveyard somehow and then sometimes dispersal is going to be okay but mostly you want to be you want to have a way of flipping some cards into the graveyard and and drawing card and fixing your draws a little bit yeah we obviously can't get this effect for one mana but two mana is almost too much so you got to specifically be watching It's so it. crazy how big of a difference there is between 1 and 2 mana for these cantrips. It's twice as much. Yeah, I mean, yeah. But there's there's no in-between, it kind of feels like you want there to be. Yeah, it does. So next up we have Mnemonic Betrayal. Uh, so this is 1, a blue, and a black for a sorcery. Exile all cards from all opponents' graveyards. You may cast those cards this turn, and you may spend mana as though it were mana of any type to cast those cards. Uh, at the beginning of the next end step, if any of those cards remain exiled, return them to their owner's graveyards. So it's a nega universe, Yawgmoth's will. It's right. It's Yawgmoth's will for your opponent's graveyard. Your opponent's graveyard is a lot less likely to have rituals in it than, right. than your graveyard that you've built. <laughs> it feels, feels kind of strange. I would be pretty hard-pressed to put this in any of my decks, kind of no matter the archetype. I think that the best case scenario is that you're playing some sort of like mid-rangey, late-game, blue-black X deck maybe, and then you just like want to set up a late-game turn where you can like cast this and then cast two of your opponent's bombs or something like that. Mm-hmm. But that just is so late-game and doesn't feel that great. Yeah. It's kind of cute that you could use it as like a sideboard card against Storm, and you just sort of like, kill them <laughs> with their graveyard. Yeah, 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 sure. But their graveyard usually doesn't have enough rituals in it Unless you're already dead. Yeah. Like, the the rituals stay in the hand until it's time, until it's go time. So it's really hard to use this. And if you want a three-mana hate card against Storm that's one, a blue, and a black. Well, then you, you might be in the market for right, our next card. You kind of don't need to look much further than <laughs> yeah. uh, Unmoored Ego. So this is a sorcery. It says, this one has a lot of implications. So yeah. it says, choose a card name. Search target opponent's graveyard, hand, and library for up to four cards with that name and exile them. That player shuffles their library, then draws a card for each card exiled from their hand this way. I'm looking for non-land, and I'm just not seeing it. <laughs> it doesn't say non-land. It doesn't even say non-basic land. Yeah. So big things that this card hits are uh, Urza's Tower. Yep. Valakut the Molten Pinnacle. Pretty good. Crack Clan Ironworks. <laughs> pretty good. You know what are what are some other options? You know, I mean, grape shot game one. Sure, grape shot. Um, I mean, I guess this is not in your deck. Game one, Pass and so flames. That that, that, that doesn't know. really count. But but certainly grape shot or just naming grape Yeah, you know, and then like having in your hand some like an engineered explosives or yeah. something to answer your their their goblins or something. Then that's, you're in great shape. This is a very powerful card against storm. I mean, this uh, is absolutely the best cranial extraction that we've ever seen I think right like yeah it's just so kid. versatile right the, the ability to hit Tron to hit Valakut and they can play around it Valakut if they know that you are running this as your hate card they can do their best to play a Valakut so that they have one protected from from this and Tron you know like on the draw they might make Tron before you can cast this so this is not just like lights out against those decks but it does a thing that we haven't been able to do and if they stumble you know if Valakut doesn't either doesn't draw Valakut or doesn't play right, then you just get them and they don't have a win condition anymore. And it certainly is a way of shutting down Tron. Yeah, like this card just, I think, has very wide, wide ranging implications in in Modern especially. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, huge implications. And honestly, it makes me want to reconsider some sort of Sultai midrange deck. We're getting Golgari card that we're going to talk about, I'm sure. Uh, Assassin's Trophy is another really big like snap casterable right you know two mana answer spell that seems really strong so yeah I mean this deck definitely opens the door for for that kind of mid-range deck to have a lot of game against these kind of oppressive like big mana decks mm-hmm. and combo decks yeah and Unmort ego is just such a versatile sideboard card that shuts down a lot of strategies if you can resolve it in a timely fashion definitely in for that yeah and, and then the main problem is like there is not a good home for like a blue black Sideboard card in Modern right now, like there's not that much Death Shadow going around, and a three mana sideboard card is usually not what Death Shadow really wants, anyways. But I do think that yeah, I want to try to play a sultai deck because Assassin's Trophy is so good with Snapcaster Mage. That may open the door to play a card like this. So I think this is just going to be potentially very, very important for Modern going forward. Yeah, I agree. I I, I definitely think that people are going to figure out ways to play this card. It doesn't really fit in any of the current archetypes, just because blue right. black isn't really just a heavily not played archetype. But this just might, you know, give some sort of blue black decks the tools that it needs to have some really good matchups post board. Yep. And in standard, you might play against Thousand Year Storm and get rid of the Thousand Year Storm. Yeah, yeah. I mean look, man, if that if that deck turns out to be the real deal, then yep. people are gonna need answers to it. Yeah. Probably not. Yeah, I mean probably like a, a potential sideboard card in standard for decks like that. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. But I'm not like trying to put this into <laughs> decks or anything. For sure. Yeah. So pretty excited about that card. I think that it's going to have some pretty big, pretty a pretty big impact on yeah. on eternal formats. Next up, we have Demir Spybug. So this is a blue and a black for a flying menace one one, and it says whenever you surveil, put a plus one plus one counter on Demir Spybug. I don't have super high hopes for this card or anything. Yeah. But it, you know, it could just kind of take up, like, almost all the Demir s- spells say Surveil on them. And this right. might just get plus one, plus one, like, whenever you cast almost any spell in your deck. I think that this is going to be a super strong reward for being in Demir in Limited. Yep. For standard, as, like, an archetype card, it's kind of a bit more of a stretch. Mm hmm. Just as a cheap, decently large flying creature, you know, in in a constructed format, it's just gonna eat a removal spell, yeah. and you're not really gonna be able to reap the wards as much for killing or uh, yeah. playing playing this guy. Putting so the effort in, yeah. Probably not not really gonna see him in constructed play. No, probably an F. But there's a a small chance that you just want this like slith kind of guy. But yeah, probably an F. I agree. Next up, we have Thought Eraser. So this is a sorcery for blue and black. Target opponent reveals their hand. You choose a non-land card from it. That player discards that card. Surveil one. So we've essentially tacked on Surveil one to uh, Thoughtseize at the cost of making it two mana, mm-hmm. like a Demir sorcery. This card's interesting. You know the difference between one mana discard spell and two mana discard it's spell is, is pretty enormous. So I I'm, I. I don't think that I would try to find space for this in any of my like sideboards or mid rangey, you know, strategies. I we've gotten to I think I'd probably stick with that in the sideboard if that's kind of like something that I wanted to do. Not terribly excited about this, but you know, it is it is Thoughtseize plus Scry one, so it's not it's not terrible. Yeah, I think if we are playing a deck that's kind of trying to abuse that three one life link. Like, this is a way of getting some more Surveil into your deck pretty easily. Yeah. It's, you know, kind of a versatile... Like, your options in a blue-black deck for what you're doing on turn two are basically, like, removal spell or nothing. Um, And this gives you something that you can do against any opponent, regardless of what what they're casting against you. It has the ability to see some amount of play. I think that if there is, like, a blue-black Surveil deck then just because Surveil only exists in one set right now, yeah. we're going to be kind of reaching for cards that have Surveil on them. And this could be just like that last slot, maybe. Right. But I, mean, I, I guess the other thing you're doing on turn two in a blue-black deck is just casting Search for Ascanta, so... That's pretty good. That pretty <laughs> Although, it's so weird that it Surveils, but it doesn't trigger your 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 3-1 lifelink or whatever other... Sur- yeah, Search for Escanta, <laughs> yeah. yeah. If only it read Surveil 1 at the beginning yeah. of your upkeep or whatever. Yeah. But that'd be funny. Side note: uh, Search for Scantah is going to be uh, even more busted in this new standard yeah. than it was before. Oh, yeah. Any any surveil deck that's you know played in standard is going to want a, a good number of Search for Scannas for Yeah. Sure. It's just going to be very very good. Yeah. So Thought Erasure. It's Search kind for of Scantah. Uh, trigger. <laughs> hey, I'm in. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. Okay, that's that's pretty good. <laughs> so Thought Erasure probably a D. Yeah. You know, just whatever. Probably a D. Next up, we've got Notion Rain. So this is a sorcery for one, a blue, and a black. Surveil two, then draw two cards. Notion Rain deals two damage to you. Hey, read the bones. It's read the bones. Read the bones is great. You know, scry two, draw two is very powerful. We, we've seen how powerful it is on just like Glimmer of Genius. It's, it's really strong. Yeah. Um, and, you know, this is just kind of like a three-mana sorcery version of that with an additional downside of taking the damage, but... But additional upside of it's Surveil rather than Scry. Right, for sure. Yeah, I mean, this is this card's just strong. I, uh, if there is some sort of like mid-range deck, they might want to run a couple, maybe, maybe yeah. one. But... I mean, at some point, the life loss can get... Like, I just remember that white-black control deck hmm. that ran four Read the Bones and a total of, like, 17 cards that made you lose life because it had, like, <laughs> Anguish done making... Yeah and Westvale Abbey, and Caves of Coilos, and just, like, you were trying to keep up, but every card costs you a point of life or two, and <laughs> it was just impossible to play. Right, right, right. Um, I don't think we have quite that many drains on your life total in this format. But yeah, like, Notion Rain definitely punishes you when you're you're getting attacked. Like, you need to stabilize and then cast Notion Rain to put the game away, but it does that. Yeah. So, I, I'm in. I think we'll see plenty of Notion Rains. We we certainly might and honestly we might I, I, I kind of expect them to be more in the sideboard. Maybe. As like a like an anti like mid range mirror or like control card potentially. But you know, we'll see. We'll see how those uh mid range decks or but control decks change. We could out. also just be casting them to trigger our three one lifelinks, you know, like Yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But uh but yeah, that does it for our Demir cards. Yeah. So now we'll move on to the guild that I'm probably most excited about, which is Golgari. Golgari, yep. Uh, So we'll start with Vraska Golgari Queen. This is two, a black and a green, for a Vraska Planeswalker. Starts at four loyalty. Plus two, you may sacrifice another permanent. If you do, you gain one life and draw a card. Minus three, destroy target non-land permanent with converted mana cost three or less. And minus nine, you get an emblem with whenever a creature you control deals combat damage to a player, that player loses the game. So this is mostly a miss for me, but I think it could be okay in the right like Golgari deck. Especially if we have more than just Stitcher's Supplier that we like kind of actively want to sacrifice with her plus ability. Right. Could be pretty good... Also, late in the game, she can sacrifice lands, and so you may have stuff to feed her. But in general, like, coming down on turn four and casting Abrupt Decay is not really the most powerful thing in the world. Um, Your deck needs to be pretty constructed around this. And her ultimate is, like, very questionable. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I agree with you in that it's mostly a whiff for me. It's important to note that you don't have to sacrifice a permanent when you plus. Right. So I can see sometimes where you just like land this, take it up to six, and pass the turn. But yeah, if you like, if you have some sort of synergy with wanting to sacrifice permanents, mm-hmm. then then this could potentially be good. But I, yeah, destroy target non-land permanent would comp- convert a mana cost three or less. That it's okay. feels so underwhelming to me. I want my Braska to be able to come down and kill something. Yeah, I don't want the to be restricted to CMC three or less. I'm pr- I'm pretty off this card. I I'm just not a fan of what it's got going on. It might fit into an archetype that's yeah. this better than I'm expecting, and that I'm I'm not just like not being able to see the full picture right now. But just looking at the card. I'm I'm not excited about it. Yeah, I mean, it feels like maybe a one or two of in some Golgari deck with lots of Stitcher suppliers and yeah. things, but it's it's not a hu- it doesn't pay you in any real way for doing that, I, and so I'm not totally sure what we're doing here. My my theory is that there is a very strong black green deck that they're pushing in standard, mm-hmm. and my theory is that if they printed a very strong four mana. Vraska Planeswalker to go along with would that. Have been too good. That would have been a little too aggressive. Mm-hmm. So they might have had to tone down the power level of it due to that. Yeah. Because I am pretty excited about some of these other Golgari cards that we're going to talk about. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the The theory that I heard was that uh, Vraska is actually only powerful when she's cosplaying a pirate, and when she's <laughs> oh. when she's just being normal, she's actually not that good at it. Yeah. But, okay. Fair. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. the I mean, pirate Vraska is <laughs> was great. Yeah, Woo-ee. yeah, I'm gonna yeah. Continue playing that in standard for a while. <laughs> yeah. So we got like a D for Vraska. Next up, we've got Izoni Thousand-eyed. So this is two, two black and two green. She is a legendary creature, elf shaman, two three. Uh, when Izoni Thousand-eyed enters the battlefield, create a one one black and green insect creature token for each creature card in your graveyard. And she has black and green. Sacrifice another creature. You gain one life and draw a card. I'm down. <laughs> like this is. This is kinda of like the payoff I'm looking for. I think I might be reanimating this with uh that uh Demir card in like a Sultai sort of deck. Yeah, uh, you know, like that that really pays you for surveilling and just any if you surveil three with that, any creatures you dump into your graveyard are extra insects that you get. I think in the mid-game it's pretty easy to just cast this and get several insects, and then later on you might cast this and get like ten insects in the very late game, and that's gonna stop. I mean, that's that's just going to be lights out. Um, I'm down for a grindy deck that just is sort of like cycling these. Absolutely. And we've got like a number of five mana reanimate cards. Mm-hmm. And if, if we can pair those with like pretty decent ability to dump a lot of cards into your graveyard through either Surveil or other, mm-hmm. you know, Stitcher Supplier mechanics. Yep. Um, this, yeah, I, I agree. This definitely has the potential to be very strong. Depending on how many how many guys you can dump into your graveyard, you could potentially just have um, this in the game. And that's, you know, anytime you can do that. Like, if you can untap with this guy as well, I think that that also just ends the game. Right. And even if, like, and, and don't forget, she doesn't have to sacrifice her own insects. Like, she can sacrifice mm-hmm. your stitcher supplier. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. What we really want is we want to be able to run, like, eight stitcher suppliers. <laughs> <in this laughs> you know, we want yeah. something else in addition because... But you know, we and don't I think quite... that there is going to be something else in addition coming up, but uh, not quite as powerful. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, so so that card is Glospore Shaman. That is black and a green for an elf shaman. It's a three one. When Glospore Shaman enters the battlefield, put the top three cards of your library into your graveyard. You may put a land card from your graveyard on top of your library. So this is like as close as we got to. Grizzly Salvage or Sadder Wayfinder or whatever, we get like a little bit better of a body. The three one can actually potentially trade with something, but that comes into playability is kind of weak. Yeah, uh, it does. You know, it does put cards in your graveyard, which is good for just like your undergrowth mechanic, and it also does help you hit your land drops. If you Which were just like looking to to draw a land at some point, right? Um, and I mean, we are bad. definitely casting five and six mana spells in that deck, mm-hmm. so the combination of guaranteeing a land draw when you need it, and also like we're probably running District Guide in this deck, to, yeah. so so it should be pretty and having smooth. A, having a body not only in your deck, but mm-hmm. also to trade off with whatever your opponent might be doing, yeah. to put more creatures in your graveyard to make yeah. your late game better, and also to push you towards the late game by trading creatures. I think that that's probably going to be a fit for this deck. Yeah. So. Yeah, and I mean, having three power means that it is legitimately pressuring the life total of a control deck that you're playing against. Mm-hmm. Um, so they have to worry about that while you're also doing your graveyard shenanigans. Yeah. So I- I'm okay with this card. Like, it's gonna, it's not super powerful, but in this Golgari deck, it's probably doing what you need to do. Yeah. So, like a a, a D or a C or something, but it's fine. Next we've got Find and Finality. So this is a split card. The find side is two golgari mana for a sorcery, return up to two target creature cards from your graveyard to your hand. Finality is four a black and a green for a sorcery, you may put two plus one plus one counters on a creature you control, then all creatures get -4 minus -4 four, minus four until end of turn. So I I do like this like combination of abilities, but in general you know, like a double raised dead is not really a constructed sort of thing. This is one of the cheaper versions that we've ever had, which is nice. Um, and, you know, we are filling up our graveyard. So maybe this is a powerful thing. But this feels like a card that goes into a grindy Golgari deck is like a one or a two of. Yeah. And it is nice to have access to like that wrath effect. But like neither we're not guaranteed a game state where like one of these is going to be good. It could easily be just a very awkward draw. Yeah, I do like it as, like, a two-of in, in that grindy Gauri deck. I think it's just, like, flexible enough where it's never going to be quite dead. Yeah. But this one is is definitely more of a card that's just kind of only good in the late game. Right. It has the ability to stabilize you with the finality part, which is pretty strong. But also, it's not like the cheaper half of this is, like, better early. You're, you're never really going to cast that on turn two. Yeah, uh, unless you hit some, like, miraculous Stitcher supplier hit or something. But, you know, that's not really what we're looking to do, right? Finality is very, very good if you have a three toughness creature in play when you cast it. Yeah. Keeping a guy, and then when you untap, it's even bigger than it started out. That's good. That is that. That is really strong. So, you know, I, I do think that this card is strong, but it's not, you know, yeah, it's not like a runaway. No, probably a D. But it is nice to give Golgari, the Golgari grindy deck, that access to a sweeper without them having to spend the whole card slot. They only spend half a card slot yeah, on the sweeper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's really nice. Right. That's it's not like dead against control, for example. Yep. yep. Which is quite important. it's quite good against control, actually, if you can resolve oh, yeah. it, then yeah. Just draw two big threats or whatever. Yeah. Maybe you're getting your hatchery spider, you know, and then cast that against Oh control yeah, and, there you go. Yeah. You know. Your other good anti control card. I mean that could be a that could be a legitimate sideboard strategy is bring in a couple of hatchery spiders against control, go long, like try to cast them as many times as you can in a control in, against the control matchup like that's that's something that could be you know yeah i could see it potentially uh hit your zona azoni yeah exactly like you just need to be at you know six creature cards in your graveyard <laughs> then you cast it and you get your six insects and then if you untap you can draw as many cards as you want yeah deal seems great right i'm in So next we've got Golgari Findbroker. This is black, black, green, green for a 3-4 elf shaman. When Golgari Findbroker enters the battlefield, return target permanent card from your graveyard to your hand. So that ability is a lot worse than the Eternal Witness ability. (laughs) Right. You can't get your Collected Company or whatever back to your hand. But I think it's actually quite good. You're getting a, a real body and... One thing that I think we might be doing a lot is returning sagas to our hands with this guy. Oh, uh, um, yeah. Like returning Eldest reborn is mm. very good. It seems big game for sure. And you can even return like if you have this in your graveyard when your Eldest burn reborn goes off, you just get your Eldest reborn back to your <laughs> hand. <laughs> That's you the combo. It. Yeah. We don't need we don't need Nissa anymore. We just have this guy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. But like, it's not like this card is overwhelmingly powerful, and it needs to. You need to have a permanent in your graveyard. So you know these cards all require you to be milling yourself and stuff. But it's the three four is like sized fine at four mana for for standard. It feels like yeah. Play this guy. Pick up the you know your bomb that you milled with your other mill cards. You know use them to yeah trade them off or something. Gets you to your five mana. Because you you could even just pick up a land right. if you need it. Right. You know, it seems flexible Which enough. We, we might because we are going to be spending a lot of mana on stuff in this deck. Right. Yeah. For sure. So if the you know if the if the mana requirements aren't uh, restrictive enough, I could see people wanting this in their like mid range deck potentially. Yeah. I do think Elders Reborn is going to be a really good card in this format and mm-hmm. in this in this like Golgari deck. I think it does a lot of the stuff that you want to do. Um, Once you have some cards in your graveyard, it gives you the ability to grab whatever you want and put it into play. Um, It's providing you with some removal and card advantage, and I I think you can kind of build an engine out of it. (laughs) Yeah. So yeah, I mean, this is probably... It's a little bit speculative. If it never sees any play, that like kind of makes sense. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. it could be pretty good in that Golgari deck. Right. That's going to take a lot of testing to figure out. Like, yeah. whether or not this is an effect that you want. I mean, we just have so many of these grindy cards in black and red that just want creatures in the graveyard and are doing fancy things. Black and green, yeah. All right, black and green, yeah. Yeah. And, and uh, it's definitely going to be tough to find exactly the right combination, but yeah. we, we can do it. Next, we've got the uncommon split card this is status and statue uh, so status is one golgari hybrid mana for an instant target creature gets plus one plus one and gains death touch until end of turn and statue is two a black and a green for an instant destroy target artifact creature or enchantment so finally this is a golgari card that doesn't really feel like it belongs in that graveyard <laughs> right this is just deck. a good card yeah I think. yeah like if you only play this just for statue uh just for a four mana destroy a target artifact creature enchantment which is just a really strong flexible card it's an instant uh it is four mana which is like a you know it's a good investment but because it's so flexible it feels it feels yeah. worth to me you're just kind of adjusting like if Rask's contempt is the card that you want then you're probably not playing statue mm-hmm. if it's not if you're not as worried about killing planeswalkers and there are relevant art- artifacts and enchantments it's gonna to be kill, pretty metagame dependent yeah. depending on which one you want it feels like yeah And then just like the extra, just like gotcha of giving your dude plus one, plus one and death touch could be, you could turn some sort of trade into a beneficial combat for you at some point. You could cast this Um, on a goblin chain whirler. (laughs) <laughs> right yeah uh the dream is you know you play the 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 jund deck with Ch- chain whirler into status but yeah that dream is probably not alive with the mana that we have right now and hopefully not alive with the mana that we get <laughs> in in four or five months But right. yeah so we'll see that that could be a an interesting crazy combo but yeah we'll see we'll see i'm not too worried about it Overall, though, you know, like, Statue does cost four mana. You know, it may just always be right in standard to be playing Grassic's Contempt over it. You know, it may yeah. just be the, the life gain and exile are too important and being able to hit a Planeswalker is too important. We've got other options for, for naturalize effects. There's a chance this card isn't, just is never right to run. I can see that, for sure. So, it, it is a little bit, probably just a little bit speculative. Like, I I would not guarantee to anyone that this card sees play yeah agreed um next we've got underrealm lich this is three a black and a green for a four three zombie elf shaman if you would draw a card instead look at the top three cards of your library then put one into your hand and the rest into your graveyard pay four life underrealm lich gains indestructible until end of turn and tap it so that's like kind of new age or generation i guess right yeah yeah <laughs> New age, pay for life. Um, this card is another card that, to me, looks really strong against uh, control decks. Mm. Um, as long as the control decks aren't easily exiling our things, we can just land this guy, make all of our draw steps very powerful, mill a lot of cards that we want to, and then just like have this 4-3 that's hard to get rid of because their removal spells aren't going to be that great. But if the, if the control deck turns out to be for example, black blue instead of red blue, mm-hmm. then this against Raskus Contempt is just silly. Yeah, You're paying 5 mana for a creature and then they get to, you know, use 4 mana to exile it. Right. Um, or if they are white and the Ixalan's binding it or something. Right, right. So, you know, if the major control deck turns out to be just blue-red, where all their removal spell is damage-based, mm-hmm. then I could see this being, like, a pretty good sideboard card against them. Mm-hmm. But other than that, it's just kind of like a fine enabler for uh, yeah. mill, um, but just... It just costs so much. The, the cost is pretty restrictive. And having that three toughness, like, against any aggressive deck, if you cast this and they lightning strike it, that's just...
1: Oh, yeah, disaster. Sure.
0: I I really don't see this in any main decks. Yeah, they are probably right, because that risk is just too high. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah it's just going to be dead too much. Yeah. Which means that you can't really count on it, like, as an enabler. Like, your deck needs to be constructed to work without... A card like this which which makes sense like because this card costs five and doesn't get going <laughs> until like turn six yeah, yeah putting yeah. cards into your graveyard right. it's like a super late game card that i think could be resilient in some niche scenarios but if those niche scenarios aren't fulfilled then i i wouldn't put this in my deck yeah this is yeah very speculative this is very much a d Next card is uh, completely on the other end of the spectrum. <laughs> this is Assassin's Trophy. This is black and green for an instant, destroy target permanent, and opponent controls. Its controller may search their library for a basic land card, put it onto the battlefield, then shuffle their library. Uh, this card is going to be a four of in many decks in many formats. Yes. I people, people have talked a lot about this card. You know, we don't really need to spend too much more time on it, but it's got a lot of eternal implications. Yep. It might even create new archetypes in modern yeah and i think one of the really powerful things you can do is now you can really stack this effect pretty hard yeah playing a large number of, like whatever combination of assassin's trophies fields of ruin and path to exiles all together in in one deck like the more times you say hey the drawback of my card is you get a basic land at a certain point in the game that drawback becomes non-existent yep. anymore yep yep so this card answers everything. It, it's kind of weird how easy it is to compare it to Abrupt Decay, but it's, in general, really bad at killing the stuff that Abrupt Decay can kill. <laughs> yeah, because you just don't want to kill it that early in the game. Yeah, exactly. Like, like you don't want Assassin's Trophy their Aether Vile. You right. do want to Abrupt Decay their either. Right, file. right, right. Kind of weird comparisons there, but... The card's just very, very strong and going to affect the way the decks are built in a lot of formats. You know, we're going to see more basics in Legacy and and in Modern, I'm sure. Really powerful. For sure. So that's just an A. Uh, Assassin's Trophy is just an A in, like, every format, I believe. Yeah, I feel confident. Next up, we've got Charnel Troll. One, a black and a green for a 4-4. Troll with Trample. At the beginning of your upkeep, exile a creature card from your graveyard. If you do, put a plus one, plus one counter on Charnel Troll. Otherwise, sacrifice it. And it's also got black, green, and discard a creature card to put a plus one, plus one counter on Charnel Troll. So it's a big boy for three mana. This card seems really strong to me. Yeah. I think that... Even if, you, even if you just, like, cast on turn 3 and don't have any creatures in your graveyard at the, at the time, you can, like, respond to the trigger in your upkeep by discarding a creature card. Mm-hmm. It gets a counter, and then the trigger resolves. You exile that creature card from your graveyard to get another counter on it, and then it's attacking as a 6-6 six, six trample on turn 4. Yeah. You have to be pretty Whoa. certain of what your opponent's deck is to, to, like, commit to that line. Sure, yeah. But that is... That's a lot of damage it, right. it, if your opponent is like a creature deck and their removal doesn't really line up that well. You know, if they're playing red removal and you just make this guy a six six, what are they going to do? Right. Yeah, this card seems really powerful to me. Really powerful to me. Uh, I think it's going to be one of the better payoffs for the Stitcher Supplier deck. Yeah, I maybe a weird. more aggressive version than the. Yeah, than I the feel grinding. weird calling it a Stitcher Supplier deck, but because it, it, it just feels like that's that'll be a card that enables it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I definitely think that this is going to be one of the stronger payoffs for that. And it it kind of your deck could even just be like more mid rangey and just like have four Eternal Trolls in it because this is a plan in a can. That's true. <laughs> Uh, you can just, you can just land this guy and then if you, you know, if you have things to do in your graveyard, then you can get rid of him and just like on its own, it's going to be able to get in and put on a lot of pressure. That's true. It Um, just is very, very big and trample is great. Yeah. I, I like that card a lot sure. Yeah. I, I think we can probably give it a C. I I, I foresee this guy seeing plenty of play yeah. in black green decks. And the beatdown plan of just like curving glowspore shaman into Channel Troll... Yeah, that's, a lot, that's, that's power. a lot of power. You know, all of a sudden we're we're like making this uh like grindy mid-range deck just like a really, you know, aggressive beatdown deck. Yep. Yeah. And and they they might spend their spells like removing these creatures that you've put into play, but you've gotten some value from like now you have a lot of creatures in your graveyard and the rest of you although i guess we've exiled some of them to the troll maybe but for each time we exile a creature to the troll we're getting an attack with the troll so yeah you know like we're that's kind of the exchange right there Mm. and that is bad you know like seal away and 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 settle and stuff are kind of taking advantage of that a little bit sure but maybe it's just a card that you side out in that kind of matchup Mm -hmm. but i i think it's a a good card yeah definitely uh next up we've got molder hulk and this is a weird one. This is seven, a black, and a green. So nine mana for a 6-6. Six, six. But it's got undergrowth. This spell costs one less to cast for each creature card in your graveyard. And when it enters the battlefield, return target land card from your graveyard to the battlefield. This also feels like it's leaning this black-green deck into more of like kind of like a big beatdown strategy. Right. If you can curve Stitcher Supplier into the Shaman just sort of turbo it out turbo this guy out cast him cast him early of have a six six you get to ramp a land mm-hmm. it feels like this deck has really powerful early and late game which is which is pretty pretty strong right It may be tough to build your deck you know there's just a lot we've seen a lot of cards so we've seen a lot of powerful early game cards and a lot of powerful late game cards and i'm not sure what the like ratio is right that that's gonna make this. The work. thing I like about it though is that a lot of these cards fit into both. Right, they can shells. bridge it. So you can you can you can have a the archetype where all of your early cards are like dumping things in your graveyard and putting power onto the board, mm-hmm. and then and then your late game cards are just like you know taking over the late game. And that to me sounds like a, a very powerful combination. Yeah. So I'm not I'm not sure that you have to like pick whether or not you're like a more of a beatdown down deck or more of a mid range deck. You might just like naturally be both. Maybe maybe there are gonna be some builds that skew one way and some builds that skew the other way. Mm-hmm. I think that I feel like that's how it was back when Black Green was a pretty big archetype before Marvel took over the Oh, right, format. right, sure. Black Green was like kinda of like one of the bigger archetypes. And some of those decks were like a little more aggressive oriented, with like flares, and some of them were just like more mid range oriented towards like bigger Ishkana, their own Immrakul stuff. Mm-hmm. And I I I wouldn't be surprised to see that happen again. Yeah, that that kind of makes sense. I do like Molder Hulk is like a a Girmag Angler kind of thing in that sort of deck. That definitely seems pretty strong like if you get to the point where you're casting this for like three or four mana that's yeah, a huge yeah. body that you're getting and then very and late it, in and the it game... ramps you a to land too yeah. which you know which transitions so well into the True. The, the grindier plan. Yeah, right. definitely. I'm, I'm in for Mulder Hulk. I, I really mm-hmm. like it in that deck. I mean, I don't know if that makes it a C or a D. Or, yeah. I'm probably a D just because it... Just, it's like a role player. Right. Um, But, you know, maybe speculative. We don't know if it's going to be great in that deck or not. Yeah. All right, so that's it for Golgari. And I think we are finally on to our last guild. Last guild. <laughs> it's been four hours. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So Ronda Selesnya, uh, Starting off with Tristani Discordant. Three... Uh, green, and a white for a legendary 1-4 dryad. It says other creatures you control gets plus one, plus one. So it works well with going wide. When Tristani Discordant enters the battlefield, create two 1-1 white soldier creature tokens with lifelink. So immediately you're getting a 1-4 and two 2-2 lifelinkers. At the beginning of your instep, each player gains control of all creatures they own. So that's kind of like a weird line of text to have on the end of a card, but... I mean, there's there, one stealing card. There, in we've skin, already yeah. seen one one steal card in in the format, and you know there are other standard legal steal your guy cards. That that line of text though is just not. But that yeah, relevant. It's yeah. I mean, this I, is it is might most be a hint, hint th- towards like a pretty decent control magic that they might print later on. Maybe. Um. But yeah, but not not really, not really too relevant right now. I mean this card is mostly just Angel of Invention again, right? Yeah. It's, yeah. it's almost identical in, in functionality. Like it might gain you a little bit more life if they don't kill the the main guy early on. Right. But it like I, I was seeing people I saw at least one, one Twitter post like, Tristani is the truth, we've tried it out and it's so good. And I just <laughs> i mean maybe maybe it's just that that deck is really good it might just be that the deck is really good yeah i mean definitely there is some stuff going on in green white that is pretty powerful this mostly feels like angel of invention to me like could be a fine role player angel of invention was mostly only good because of god pharaoh's gift Mm -hmm. um but you know like the we may have just a real go wide deck and this is fine in it you know those those lifelink soldier tokens can get you a lot of life i mean i think this is a fine card in the green white deck yeah i agree i think that this green white deck might be a little leaner than a five mana one four Mm -hmm. but who knows next up we've got amara soul of the accord so it's a green and a white for a two-two, legendary elf cleric whenever amara soul of the accord becomes tapped create a one one soldier creature token with lifelink yeah, this card's great. Yeah, so the, just perfect with, you know, any sort of uh, Convoke shenanigans that you've got going on. Whenever you tap it, you get another guy that's yep. going to tap for more things, hopefully, later on. Mm-hmm. Just... Yeah, and she encourages you to find ways to put Convoke cards into your deck. Because yeah. ways of, of of triggering her without putting her into combat are really good. But she also just combines really well with Global Pumps. Because she makes tokens that get pumped by them, and it's a lot easier for a three-three to matter in combat, yeah, yeah, and, and maybe survive a combat step. Yeah, I mean, I think she's just a a, a two-drop that the deck is going to revolve around. So she's like a, a C or, or better, just like the just deck a, doesn't really exist. Just a really her. excellent enabler card for yeah. this style of strategy. Absolutely. Sure. Next up, we've got the the rare split card for Slesnia: Assure and a Symbol. So Assure is two hybrid Selesnia for an instant, put a plus one plus one counter on target creature, that creature gains indestructible until end of turn. Uh assemble is four a green and a white for an instant. Create three two two green and white elf knight creature tokens with vigilance. So, you know, you can have three bodies in the late game, or you kinda have this combat trick give you guy indestructible in the early game a combat trick that also counters a lot of removal spells yeah the two mana on the front side for some reason feels like a lot to me Mm -hmm. i'm not super happy about this card i feel like it's just a little costed on the on the shore side for me to be excited about it (laughs) but it is just a card that like you know has utility at two mana and then also like gives you a decent number of bodies for four mana or for six mana rather but I just feel like that the the general power level of this Selesnya deck is going to be stronger than this card. Yeah. Which, which to me, indicates that it's not really what you want. Yeah, I mean, I think this, to me, kind of feels like... It might even be a sideboard card against yeah. decks that are trying to, like, wrath you or something. Mm-hmm. Because... That makes if a lot you, of sense. If you only have a little bit of mana, then you can save a guy um, right. and, and improve it. Um, and and then, then, then just, like, anything that... At instant speed gives you threats is yeah. strong against those control decks. You can right. just, like, incept six mana, make three and your control opponent might be, like, well, a little bummer. Right. Well, and especially <laughs> yeah. if that was their wrath turn, and they yeah. wrath you, and you're just like, all right, I will create another army. And six then you, power. Yeah, six power and uh, across three guys. So if you have another lord effect, then it, you attack for nine. That's a lot. So it might just be a great sideboard card for that sort of situation. Yeah, I can see that for sure. So next up we have Conclave Cavalier. This is the double green, double white creature. It's a centaur knight. It's a 4-4 vigilance. When Conclave Cavalier dies, create two 2-2 two, two green and white elf knight creature tokens with vigilance. So it was two elf knights wearing a a, a centaur costume all Yeah, along. No, yeah, for sure. I love the fluff of this. <laughs> is it like... You can either picture it as, like, two little elves trying to get into a movie theater, (laughs) or with, like, a big trench coat, or it's, like, the horse suit or whatever that you (laughs) you see people wearing. Or it's the actual flavor, which is that somebody murders the Conclave Cavalier, and so then the two knights come over and, like, what happened? (laughs) Right, yeah. I really wanted to see somebody make, like, two tokens, one of which is, like, somebody <laughs> somebody with the front half of that costume <laughs> and somebody with the back half of that costume. Dude, you know who could make those tokens? Inkling Customs. We could make those tokens. Yeah, do sure. you want Do you want front half or back half? <laughs> oh, no. I feel like this has to happen now. Yeah, this is probably happening. <laughs> oh man dibs on the front half okay that's... To, if you're if you're asking me if i gave you the option <laughs> what i really like about this card though is that because it has vigilance it's significantly more likely to get its die trigger even against like a white control deck because it can't be sealed away um it can get settled but one of the main exile uh, removal effects in the format doesn't hit it. uh You know, it's a, a yeah. big boy for four mana, a four four vigilance, but it does also cost four mana, and four mana is quite a bit. It is, yeah. I mean, it's it's costing four mana, but honestly, I think this card is pretty powerful. Yeah, a four four vigilance for four is strong on its own, and it dies into two 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 vigilance elf knights. Right. So, like, if I if I'm casting a steel leaf champion and then my opponent plays a conclave cavalier, like I, that trade is real bad for me. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, you, you never really want to trade with this card, because no. it just replaces itself immediately. Yeah, it just rumbles in combat really well. Right. And if you have, like, some sort of Anthem effect going on, right. uh, you, like, actively don't want this thing to die. Right. Because, and it's, but it's killing you, because <laughs> right. it's, five five. it's not <laughs> Right, because it's big. It, it's a 5-5 five five Vigilance, so you can't even, like, race it. You can't ignore it. Right? So, yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I mean, it seems very much mm-hmm. like what this Celestia deck is is into doing. Yeah, for sure. I'm into this card yeah so solid solid role player in that solid deck yeah. uh, another card I'm pretty into is uh March of the multitudes X green and double white for an instant convoke create x one one white soldier creature tokens with lifelink. okay I think I'm probably less into this card than you are but... uh i I don't mind this card yeah. i I think that it just it's really bad against sweeper effects mm-hmm. so and it, it also might be a little win more in some scenarios. But the fact that it's an instant feels really strong to me. Yeah. And, you know, if, you're, if you've are if you got, like, a bunch of dudes, then you can just use this to, like, double down and, and make an insurmountable board state. Right. I, I think this card is strong. It's not insane, mm-hmm. but I think this card is strong. Yeah. I mean, definitely, like, if you have some sort of anthem effect, then, you know, applying that anthem to a bunch of 1-1 lifelinkers can be very, very good. Right. Yeah, It like, to me, it just seems like one of those cards that, it's just so bad in an opening hand. sure that like what is my plan around this card? Like it, it just feels so easy for things to go wrong and I just can't do it for very much for X for a very large value of X. You kind of have to have a board for that already for for this token mm-hmm. generator to make a board for you. Yeah. I, I'm not super excited about this card. I think I'm more excited about it as like a, a one or a two of mm-hmm. in that deck as like kind of like a late game thing um i'm generally pretty big fan of mana sinks games play out a lot of the time in ways that you don't expect them to uh you might go along and just not have a bunch of dudes and like be flooded a little bit and then draw one of these and be like okay now i'm in it right Yep. so you know i I don't mind it yeah it's probably okay but i kind of would be not surprised if just it never made made a trick. Yeah, I mean, you know, that that could be a very real scenario for sure. But I think that if I'm going to be brewing this archetype, it's going to start off in my deck as a 1 or a 2. I
1: okay.
0: Um, I mean, it definitely needs to be tried out. And yeah. maybe yeah. it just feels real good a lot of the time. Right. Um, one of the kind of cool things, though, is that later in the game, like, drawing two of them is amazing, because you feed off of the first one with the second one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, if you get to a point where you just, like, have multiples in your hand, then you can be like... We're this doing one's it. for 8, this one's for 5. Your turn. <laughs> right? Well, or this one's for 8, untap. This one's for like 14 or oh, whatever. Oh, sure, sure, yeah, yeah. That's Yeah, that's fair. It's an instant, yeah. you know, so you can just do that. So our last Selesnia card is Knight of Autumn. So this card's been talked about a little bit. Yeah. It's 1, a green, and a white for a 2-1 Dryad Knight. Uh, when Knight of Autumn enters the battlefield, choose one. Put two plus one plus one counters on Knight of Autumn, or uh, destroy target artifact or enchantment, or you gain four life. So, pretty flexible card. You can have a four three, or you can have a two one that destroys target artifact or enchantment, or you can have a two one that gains you four life. So it's like strictly better than Reclamation Sage in the like Collected Company sideboards, because it just lets you consolidate the, your, your sideboard slots you don't need yeah. to play a, a life gain card because now you have this right and then when you draw it and you don't need life gain or a, a rex age it just is a, a decent body yeah yeah if you're if you're a deck that was in the market for rex age but also play white then this is just such an easy easy replacement Yep. um it's just it has the potential to be a bigger creature or to gain you four life in some matchups. And that just means that, yeah, exactly. Your your sideboard starts are cl- consolidated because this can be an anti-burn card or an anti-artifact or enchantment card. Might be kind of hard to do this in humans. It's just a little harder to cast than Rexage because, like, Rexage mm-hmm. only demands one land that's not a land naming humans. Right. This one asks for two, which can be quite a bit. Yeah, for sure. I agree. I I. I people were pretty quick to jump the gun and say that they wanted to put this into humans. And and part of their argument was that they that humans has played Gaddock Teague before as well.
1: Yeah.
0: But Gaddock Teague, the payoff for casting it yeah, in those matches is different. so high. There was there there's just no other card that does what Gaddock Teague does. Right. But Rexage I think just is you don't really need any of the rest of these effects in a humans deck. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're, you're favored against Burn and you you just don't need a four three for three ever. Right, um, and that it actually might be worse because it has that plus one plus one counter text because it might trick you into casting it to try to like pressure somebody when really you should just be holding it to Rexage the relevant thing that you sideboarded it in to do. Yeah. Like if you cast this and then they're like, oops, drew my worship. That's, that's so bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. So that's it for Slesnia, and then we've got one last card to talk about. Well, we kind of... We also have Shocklands. Oh. Shocklands are great. They're all A's. They're amazing. Yes. Oh, right. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's Shocklands. Since we have Checklands, that makes them even better, and blah, blah, blah. But then we also have Chromatic Lantern. Chromatic Lantern. This is a three-mana artifact. Lands you control have tap, add one mana of any color, and it also taps for one mana of any color. Mm -hmm. Um, So the last time this was in Standard, it's all a small amount of play. In a deck that just ran cards of lots of different colors, including Door to Nothingness. D- door to nothingness. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Hilarious. Uh we don't have that. I, I mean don't know. in order for Chromatic Landron to be in a deck, you need to be three or more colors and also, I think, be interested in a three mana mana rock. Yeah. And I, you know, maybe maybe an archetype like that exists right now in standard. If it does, it's probably gonna play some number of these, but outside of that, this card is not gonna see a lot of play. Yeah. It it's I mean, it's cool to have it, and I like that. In order to run just an insane mana base, where you just like can play whatever you want, play whatever you want. Like there is can, this now cost. you can cast. You can your, do it. Uh, your Niv Mizzet. <laughs> right, but you have to play this three mana artifact in order to do it. Yeah. which I think is a fair cost. You know, like there was a point in Magic where you could play Cryptic Command and Cruel Ultimatum and Baneslayer Angel in the and and of volcanic fallout all in the same deck right yeah uh based just on your lands and that's not okay and paying this cost to be able to do something similar to that is totally fine i don't know that it's gonna be a thing it seems like really hard to pull off in modern magic agreed and uh if you ever get your chromatic lantern killed by a knight of autumn that's really really bad so eh, unlikely to see play agreed for sure and with that, we did it. Our four-hour <laughs> Guilds of Ravnica set review is complete. <laughs> yeah. Yep. We're not gonna do any questions of the week or any silliness like that because because that's about it for us. We're yeah. We're. I I feel like I I speak for both of us <laughs> when I say we're a little exhausted after that. Yes. Yeah. Come on, give give Chris a break, guys. He, <laughs> uh, he just came back from Germany yesterday. So, yeah. You know. <laughs> it's. Uh, I I mean it's it's four in the morning for me. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, jeez. Yeah. Yeah, so thanks to everybody f- so much for listening. Uh, if you'd like to lend us some support, um, you can head over to our Patreon at patreon.com slash grindcast. Sign yourself up, come hang out in the Discord, get a couple of adorable Inkling Customs tokens sent over to you. Maybe get a horse-based token sent over in the future. I'm, well, in, I'm in. We're, we're going to get to work on that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so definitely uh if you want to go to our website you can also find the patreon there at mtg you can also find links to collins's coaching services um and you can hit us up on twitter i'm tweeting from at mtg underscore grindcast and collins is also on twitter at collins mullen and since i'm back in the u.s hopefully i will see some of you soon at an scg event i'm gonna be in baltimore this weekend i some spells i will not be in Baltimore like kind of want to go but I'm bad at Legacy yeah. I just got back we've, we've I got a really car going up tomorrow plans. morning oh god 10am <laughs> no I shouldn't I, gotta, I should that's edit fair. this podcast too so. well yeah that, that, okay. that's fair that's I fair. mean the main thing is that I'm bad at Legacy I haven't practiced in a while so I, yeah. it would be very low EV for me to go <laughs> I play in this tournament I understand but cool thanks again so much for listening and have a great week Peace.